Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by the fans, Tate. Mm-hmm. It's brought to you by the fans, the listeners, the friends of the program, the people that keep the lights on at this operation. Uh, we've been doing this for about a month. We, we relaunched this new iteration. We cannot thank you guys enough. Those of you who got in on the ground floor, mm-hmm. uh, uh, signed up, saw the, saw the tweet when we were in Maui, said we're bringing the pod back. Fans since the teed up days. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could very easily... I know me personally, I am not an early adopter. Whenever anything comes out, I always wait to make sure it doesn't suck. Um, but these people that have been listening, they... Sort of like the people in 2002 when they heard something like, <laughs> a cell phone with a camera. They yeah. Said, There's no way that'll right. happen. That'll, I have my own camera. But uh, the people that, that have been keeping this podcast going, Tate, uh, they are not like us. They are like, you know what? I'm going to dive right into the suck. I'm going to just get into that suck. Just dive. But, yeah. And then they've been along the ride with us. We, we are greatly appreciated. In the words of Trey Song, dive in. Um, and as a thank you on this Christmas Eve, this holiday season, uh, we wanted to do something very special, uh, which is do a, a I'm going to pause there, figure out what we're calling it, do a TNT, yeah. do a, uh, what are we calling it, TNT Classics? TNT Classics. I like that. You can't get sued. <laughs> no, it's TNT, and these are classic games that we both love. Right. It has to do with us, and this game that we're going to talk about today is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is the most important game of, this is the most important sporting event of my entire life. Uh, this is the, this is my ultimate Michael Wilbon. I was at that game. Game. Um, this is your Shamana. Yeah, this is my Shamana. In this, this sense, Indiana is Shamana. Yes, right. In this and, story, and Carlos Boozer is Ralph Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's Jay Williams standing on Carlos Boozer's shoulders makes him Ralph. Sampson. Yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. I think uh, this game makes a lot of sense for you as well because it was, you know, your These Carolina were dark guy. times yeah. for North Carolina fans. We had yeah. basically given up on basketball at this point. This was the peak of Duke basketball and like the the worst stretch of Carolina the depths of North Carolina so to watch watch one of the greatest Duke teams of all time choke had to have been great for you um so yeah Tate and I talk about this game all the time we've been wanting to do this for a long time we we were told we could not do it uh and now we're gonna do it so um that is that is our Christmas gift to you have a happy holiday uh we love all of our listeners We 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 hope you enjoy the week and we hope you enjoy this podcast we are going to today to be breaking down the 2002 mm. Indiana versus Duke Sweet 16 game in all of its glory. But first, Carlos Boozer should have made that layup. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate, let's get into it. Uh, we have a lot to get to. This is, as, as I said, this is a game that I, I could do this from memory. I chose not to. I chose, instead of doing it from memory, I chose to extensively research everything again. Um, I I am going crazy. I am the, I am Charlie and uh, Always Sunny right now. Mm-hmm. The, the well, meme, you're, you the have meme. the board I have the whole board. You're creating I have every yes. every tidbit of information Winona written Winona Ryder and Stranger Things. Yep. That is that is me right now. Uh, I, I I could not be happier and more excited to talk about this game. Your thoughts, your opening thoughts. My opening thoughts are in two thousand and two, and I think that that's really what matters. We got to yeah. Let's remember, set the stage. Yeah. Let's what do the year are we in? Yeah. Okay. At okay. this time in two thousand two, Halle Berry will win Best Actress. She will win an Oscar. Is this the same year she wins the Razzie? She won both. Yeah, she won a Raz. I think it was her. She won a Razzie for like worst actress in Catwoman or something, mm. and then won best actress it was for Monsters Monster Ball. Yeah, Monsters, Monsters Ball. Ball. Yeah, yeah. Right? 
that where she gets naked? And, yes. And well, that's how usually the Oscars work. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just look at Shape of Water. Uh, also, Sexiest Man Alive in 2002, Ben Affleck. Mm. So he's very excited about this uh, podcast for us to bring that up, yeah. I'm sure. Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, they broke up this Ooh. year. Everyone was freaking out about that. So that's a, that's a big thing. Reality TV was created, uh, created this year. The Osbournes uh, came to reality TV and created... They created reality TV for Yes, you. that's what okay. the Osbournes... They were the oh, yeah. first people to no, say, this is our life. This is reality. And we were all like, is McRib is, actually back? Yeah. We're not sure. Remember when like, reality TV... I, I, it still is, but like reality TV is is basically just unscripted TV. Like, the, like Survivor yes. was billed as reality TV. And you're like, how is this reality? That no, they created an unscripted departments. <laughs> yeah. And then they just said, it yeah, it's reality. the same thing. Let's get yeah. a whole group of people around, a production staff, and then we'll say, oh, this is real. Yeah, yeah people are acting like they usually yeah, do right you, now. You want a galaxy brain take? Uh, reality TV is the most unreal TV out there. Ooh, because it's staged. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Now it's... Take that. Yeah. <laughs> this is also one of those times in 2002 where caller ID did not exist yet. So this is... Uh, mm. You know, if you were prank phone calling Coach K the night before this game in Kentucky, mm-hmm. you could get away with it. Yeah. So I'm sure that happened. So Coach K was probably stressed that yep. night. Uh, Avril Lavigne was pretty big at this time. Alicia this, Keys was this before was big. she died and then was replaced by the <laughs> yeah, by um, yes, she was the first clone story that. I heard yeah, until I Gucci Mane yeah. became the new clone story. Um, so that was a big deal. Uh, Disney released Lilo and Stitch uh, this year. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was a big movie of the year. Lord of okay. the Rings, big movie that year. I, this is like pop up podcast. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, second generation of the Apple iPod came out in 2002, oh, okay. and everyone wow. was very excited because of 20 gigs. 20 gig, wow. That's four songs. That's huge. That's, That's all I got on 2002. All right, well, there you go. That's that, that puts Oh, everyone... final one. Kelly Clarkson won American Idol this year. That was the last oh, one I the, had. The yeah, n- yeah. initial American Idol. Yes. Can you imagine if Justin Guarini had won? That would be a, That would be a great what if. We're going to do what, what if. ifs on this program What if today? we just do that pot for the podcast? We just talk about what if Justin Guarini won. What if won? the iPod didn't work out with those um, 20 gigs? All right, so here's my opening statement because I I, uh, I I want you to indulge me here. Part of why that this wasn't came, my opening statement. No, that was that not. Was, that, that was my setting that the was stage setting in 2002. The stage. We do were do in you have an opening statement? Do opening statement is I cannot believe Duke lost this game. Yeah. I can't believe Coach K let it happen. Yes, same. same. Likewise, yes. Um, part of what makes this game so uh, iconic for me uh, is is I growing up in Indiana. First of all, as I said, I was at this game. Um, mm-hmm. I I was an Indiana fan growing up. Uh, I was in eighth grade when this game happened. Uh, my buddy, J.R. Howell is his name. He was a Duke fan, even though he grew up in Indiana. His dad was the varsity basketball coach at our high school. I mm-hmm. was in eighth grade. Um, so I, I wasn't in high school yet. I didn't play for him yet, but I was about to. Uh, his dad had gotten tickets to this game in Rupp Arena, and it was on a Thursday night. And uh, J.R. knew I was an IU fan. He was a Duke fan. We talked about it a lot. Um, he's, he said, do you want to come to the game with me? And I said, sure. Thinking he, to himself, this will be a fun night for yes. me. And yes. And I, I said, sure. But at the same time, I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know, man. It's a school night because we had to go to school the next day. The next day was Friday. So, mm-hmm. like, we had to be back. I, I knew it was going to be really late. I was going to get no sleep. Um, the idea of going to a cool college basketball game was obviously awesome. But at the same time, I was like, am I really going to drive all the way down there, be exhausted just to watch IU get destroyed, and then come back and have my friend rub it in my face the whole time? Like, I don't know. But then ultimately, I was like, you know what? This Duke team is one of the great teams. Like I, I get to see him in person. If nothing else, I gotta go. This will be this will be a fun time. We get down there. Uh, we're sitting in the Duke section. He didn't tell me this that like he had he had bought tickets for the Duke section, which there wasn't a, there weren't a lot of Duke fans there. It was mostly Indiana fans. We'll probably talk about this a little bit mm-hmm. about how it was uh, looking back. Like that is kind of a fun little wrinkle that Duke had to play 
against IU in Lexington, Kentucky, where it was mostly IU fans. Um, and IU not only that, but the advantage. Kentucky fans that used to hate Indiana were now resigned to pull for Indiana yeah, against yeah, Duke right. because there was this whole – you talked about setting the stage. In the world of college basketball, everyone was like, what will happen to Indiana basketball? You know, yeah. All eyes were pointing to these two big programs, one of them being North Carolina is completely done, it seemed like. Indiana was in a similar boat. Second year of Mike Davis. There's a chance Mike Davis could revive this program, but there was no shot in hell he was going to do it against Duke going into yeah, the game. Yeah, right. There, it, couldn't, it couldn't happen. Um, yeah, you, you bring up a good point. Kentucky fans were probably cheering for Indiana because at this Absolutely. point, uh, this, we're 10 years removed from the 92 They're Kentucky game. They're past it. But yeah. yeah. The, but, you would yeah. know. You always pull over the team that's not a threat to you. So if you're right, Kentucky, right, right. you're just like I'm so fine everyone, in yeah. Indiana. So we sit in the Duke section. I think this this was the the dawning of my journalism career of learning not to cheer in the press box because I was an IU fan sitting amongst all the Duke people, and I was mm. told I I was not allowed to cheer for IU. So I like I obeyed, but internally I was like, my God, this is AJ Moye. This is amazing. AJ Moye is. I'm not going to cheer outwardly, but mm. I just cream my pants. I just want <laughs> everyone to know what, that 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 just happened. So yeah, that that was that was that's my opening statement, so to speak. You brought up a good point about the Mike Davis thing. So so part of what makes this so iconic to me is that there's a history lesson to be told here, and mm. and I I hope you'll indulge me here. Yes, please. Will, will, will this will is the IU to, history lesson. I want to give the IU here? history lesson yes. because this game represents the last gasp of air of the Bob Knight era of <laughs> of Indiana basketball. This is this was two years removed. And it's from, not because anyone was getting choked by Bob yeah, Knight. You know right. what I mean? That that's not what we're talking about. That was a good uh, that was a good analogy I used. The last guess. The last good, guess. Good pickup yes, there. Yes. Um, I didn't even do that on purpose. All right, so I'm going to give you the timeline today. Here's what happens. Please. So in 1997, Neil Reed transfers from Indiana. <laughs> he he was he averaged about 12 points a game for IU. He he says that he was abused by Bob Knight. Transfers to Southern Miss. Um, puts up like 18 points a game for them. Uh, this happens in '97, right? So uh, he says he's abused. No one cares. They're like, we get it. It's Bob Knight. No one really gives a mm-hmm. shit. Um, Steve Alford's like, I have some stories for you. But it is noteworthy because he's a double-digit scorer. He transfers from IU. This is in the era of like guys don't really transfer. Certainly not like good players and, and transferring from IU's program. That was that was noteworthy. Neil Reed transfers the next year. Jason Collier, the late uh, uh, Jason Collier. Neil Reed actually passed away as well. Uh, Jason Collier. He transfers from IU. Mm-hmm. He, he was a big man for IU. Transfers to Georgia Tech. Um, and, and now everyone's kind of scratching their head. Like that's two guys that have transferred now. Uh, third year, and this is in, um, um, in April of 99, Luke Recker, are you aware of this guy's name? Yes. Luke Recker, who is Mr. Basketball of Indiana is if, if you could create Jimmy Chitwood in a, in, in real life, it would be Luke Recker. He was Mr. Basketball in Warsaw, Indiana, uh, 1997, all American, um, it is every embodiment of what an Indiana basketball player is. Leads the team in scoring in 99 mm-hmm. and after the season transfers. And now rumblings are starting in Bloomington of like, what the hell is going on with Bob Knight? Like, it, it, it's one thing to lose a 12 point a game scorer, but you just lost Luke You Recker. lost Jimmy Chitwood. You just, yeah. Jimmy now Chitwood. We're yes. This is yes. a kid, Luke Recker, uh, uh, he committed to Indiana as a 15 year old sophomore. So, like, this is a guy, this is, you know, yeah. So now people are scratching their head. They're saying to themselves, what is going on? Uh, that season, with the first season without Recker, Ends up being Knight's final season. They go twenty and nine. They lose to Pepperdine in the first year or in the first round. I'm sorry. Um, and and the, what's who was no, the coach of Pepperdine? Lorenzo Romar, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're gonna say. Um, so they lose to Pepperdine, and this is in 2000 in the 2000 tournament. They lose in the first round. What's noteworthy about this is the core of that team that came off the bench, like, or, or the core of the O2 team was all on that team. Basically, everyone mm-hmm. except Jared Jeffries. You had you had Tom Coverdale, Kyle Hornsby, Jared Odell, Dane Fife. They were all on this 2000 team with Bob Knight. They were all Knight guys. Um, they lose to Pepperdine. Uh, uh, this was AJ Guyton and Michael Lewis' senior year. Kirk Hastings a sophomore. Mm-hmm. 
So you're, you're with me so far. Yes, right? I'm following. So Bob Knight loses to Pepperdine on the heels of all these guys transferring, and it's like, what's going on in Indiana? Three days before they lose to Pepperdine, however, uh, CNN runs the piece with Neil Reed, mm-hmm. where uh, they, they run this article. They, they do the investigative blowout where Neil Reed's like, Bob Knight choked me in practice in 1997. This is a thing that happened. This is three days before the Pepperdine game. I'm not saying that's why they lost to Pepperdine. I'm just stating the facts. It was three days before they lost to Pepperdine. Um, a few weeks later, the video surfaces, and at this point, no one can deny it anymore because, like, it's one thing to be like, well, what really happened? Did he grab his shirt? Was he, you know, maybe Bob, maybe Neil Reed is just a pussy. Or, you know, like, this is what things people were saying. Mm-hmm. And then you see the video, and, you know, Neil Reed throws his neck into Bob Knight's arm, and <laughs> I think that's how uh, my dad instructed me to, to tell people was what happened. <laughs> um, no, so we get the video of Knight choking Reed, and at this point, uh, he still wasn't fired. So Miles Brand, the president of the university, not only was he not fired, there was basically the whole campus right came together for his like. Where when he was going to his office, he gave like this big speech, right? Like he's coming back. No, well, I I, I don't remember that. That was, he definitely did that after he was fired. He okay, did, like, the, like when he cleaned out his office. That's yeah, when he yeah. Had he the definitely big, did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was so. This is in like March. This is like in April, I think, when the video came out. Um, of like right after the tournament mm-hmm. in two thousand, video comes out. Miles Brand institutes a zero tolerance policy. Fast forward to September, Kent Harvey, a student at IU, is walking by Bob Knight, says, what's up, Knight? That's right, yeah. Yeah. And doesn't like, say, what's up, Coach Knight. Just he doesn't say coach, Knight. mister, yeah, yeah. or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. He just says Knight. Bob Knight grabs his arm. He's like, what the fuck did you say to me? I don't know. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. but No, I don't think you I are. Probably, that's, that's probably nicer <laughs> than what he actually said. That's a direct said. quote. Yeah. yeah. Uh, grabs his arm. Um, Kent Harvey's dad was a guy who, or his stepdad, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, his stepdad was like a, uh, a radio guy in Bloomington. And, oh, and hated Bob Knight, mm-hmm. and so like his stepdad, like that—that's always the story that I've been told. But again, I was kind that of this a, was like a setup. Yeah, it was kind of a setup. Like he, he, his, they, they, they saw their opportunity to take down Knight, but like whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, so that happens. Knight gets fired, but or, or Miles Brand asks Bob Knight to resign. Bob Knight, being the stubborn guy, he is, says, "I will never resign." Kiss my ass, and Miles Brand's like, "Well, you're fired." And mm-hmm. that was in September. And the reason that's important is because this is right before the season starts. Mm-hmm. Right before the season's about to get underway, um, you have you have Kirk Haston coming back uh, uh, for Indiana. You have Jared Jeffries freshman year. Indiana should have a decent team coming off of the the you know Bob Knight had not been to a Sweet Sixteen since '94 though. So like anyway, th- this is all what this this is all what's which going had on. something to do with the Heat kind of turning up also because it's, right, it's one thing right. to have all these stories off the court if you're winning. That's the dirty little see the, the the dirty little thing about Bob Knight. Well, there's a lot of I guess I should use a different phrase. Uh, the the uncomfortable truth that Indiana fans don't really love to acknowledge about Bob Knight is that it might be great for his legacy at IU that he was fired like this because the wheels were kind of falling off mm-hmm. on the night. Like he, he, his last six years, they didn't even make the Sweet 16. Six straight first weekend exits. Um, I don't know. So it might have it might have worked. Ever since '93 with the the Cheney injury, right when he got yeah. injured that year, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the year they were going to make a run and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, '93 was seen. tough. Yeah, '93 was tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, th- this is right before the season in 2000, and Miles Brand. Um, is is stuck because he had to stick to zero tolerance policy, even though like Knight had done like five other things, and Miles Brand was like, "I really mean it, zero tolerance." And Knight's like, "Yeah, we get it." And then he grabs the kid's arm and gets fired. Um, so so Miles Brand turns to Mike Davis, and the reason he turns to Mike Davis is because all these guys in the program were going to transfer. That was the word. That was the rumors. It's like all mm-hmm. these guys are Knight guys. They're Knight disciples. They came to play for the legendary Bob Knight. You just fire our coach. We're, we're getting out of here. Mm-hmm. And the one way to keep them from leaving was to turn to the one guy 
who had recruited all these guys to play for Coach Knight, which was Mike Davis. He was the lead recruiter. Mike Davis was completely unqualified for the job. He will tell you as much. Even if you called him right now and asked him, he'd be like, I was not qualified to be the head coach at Indiana. Uh, he, had, he had been in Division One basketball for five years. He had spent two years as, as an assistant in Alabama and three years as an assistant at IU. And then now he was taking over after a legendary, one of the greatest coaches of all time at one of the greatest programs of all time. He was handed the keys and said, this is your team. And we call those guys now fall guys. Mm-hmm. He was set up to fail, mm-hmm. and that is why this story is so interesting because he did fail in the end, but he succeeded yeah. with a signature victory first. So that's how we get there is that, that that's how Davis gets the job, and there's obviously a lot of of questions about, like, is like, like people are pissed off, first of all, that Knight's fired, and then secondly, it's like, I mean, if you're going to fire Knight, you're, you're going to bring in a guy who's, who's been in Division One for five years and never been a head coach to take over at IU. Um, he's the interim coach in his first year in the 2000-2001 season. Uh, they end up getting a four seed in the tournament. They lose to Kent State in the first round. It, weirdly enough, the uh, Davis's first game as interim coach, they beat Pepperdine at Assembly Hall. At Knight's last game, they lost to Pepperdine. And then the first game. West Coast basketball, baby. They beat Pepperdine. It all comes back. Um, but no, the, the big highlight of Davis's interim year is they beat number one Michigan State on a mm-hmm. Kirk Haston buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Michigan State was defending national champions. They beat him in Assembly Hall. Kirk Haston hits the, the, the buzzer beater. And uh, so at the end of the year, Jared Jeffries, Haston uh, leaves. He goes to the Hornets, your beloved mm-hmm. Hornets. Andre Owens transfers to Houston, but he wasn't Andre Owens that became great at Houston. He was just, you know, he didn't really do much at IU. Um, and, and Jared Jeffries comes out basically and says, like, I'm deciding whether I want to go pro or not based on whether Coach Davis stays. And it's a whole nother thing, again, with like the whole reason he got the job in the first place is because of his relationship with these guys. And it, was, it kind of felt that way. This is how I've always remembered it, is that Jared Jeffries said, I will come back if Mike Davis comes back. If not, I'm going pro. So they, they shed the interim label. The, com, the, the, the combination of Jeffries' ultimatum, beating number one Michigan State, and Mike Davis, frankly, just not being Bob Knight. Like, he was... He Ultimate was, nice guy, yeah, laughing, yeah, you know, yeah. having a good time, chummy with people. And Miles Brand yeah. loved that. He's like, mm-hmm. you're not an asshole like Bob Knight was. You know what? We'll no, you're happy you to shot. be here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not give the kid a shot? We'll give you a shot. So Davis is so all of that is to say the two thousand two season was Davis's first full I'm the guy. I am no more interim tag. This is my job. This is my team. But at the same time, it was all like night holdovers. Because mm-hmm. as I said, the whole core was was night guys. Um, and then they added Jeffries. Jeffries never actually played for Knight, but uh, you know all the, the other four guys in the starting lineup did. And this this game represented like a pivotal cultural like change in the way IU basketball is. And it was like the last, like I said, the last gasp of Bob Knight basketball because they go into this game playing against one of the greatest teams in college basketball history. Indiana was not one of the greatest teams in college basketball history. They they were were very much overmatched from start to finish. They did not play well in any way shape or form and yet they pulled off the upset and there's not a there's there's not been other than Hoosiers, which was a fictional movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's ever been a greater story of Indiana basketball than this game. Would you say just as an IU fan that this is the greatest moment of this century for Indiana basketball? Yeah, because uh, it's the Watford shot, and then this. The game. Watford shot was a regular season game against uh, Kentucky. Against, but really, it was against yeah, Kentucky, yeah, but still, it was a regular season game. Yes, and it, the Watford shot would mean a lot more if when they, it, it signified that Indiana's back, they actually meant it. <laughs> yeah, if like if if that propelled Indiana to now be like a like top the 10 team Oladipo year. Zeller team actually went yeah, to a final yeah. four and made a run. They yeah. they they win the like they have the shot, and then the next year that Oladipo Zeller team wins the final the national championship or goes to the final four or something, and then the next year this wave of, and then. And it just and away we go. 
then maybe it's the Watford shot, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened. It also didn't happen here either, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that, that sets the stage. That is Mike Davis coming into, uh, uh, in, in 2002. That's, that's where we found ourselves. Mike Davis, a lot of uncertainty about whether, whether he should be the guy. Um, and, and rightfully so, you know, like the guy, it, it was, he was kind of handed the job out of a lack of options. Um, and, and just kind of, he was, he was friends with all the players, which, you know, works out in some regard, but in, in some ways that's not what you want your head coach to be. So, um, I sort of remember the the sort of media back and forth between Jeffries the year before going into the 2002 season. So now it makes sense when you talk about him using it as like a leverage point to say, I'll come back if, with Coach yeah. Davis. What's funny, know? what's funny too, so in the 02 season, uh, so first of all, Davis starts this season, his, his interim season, they start two and three. They lose to Indiana State. Um, there's that going on. They end up losing to uh, uh, Iowa in the Big Ten title game in Davis's interim season. The next year, with uh, Wrecker is eligible at Iowa. So Luke Wrecker transfers to Arizona. Mm-hmm. He gets in the car wreck with his, with his girlfriend and then transfers. I, I don't know if you remember all this story, but this was like a big deal uh, in my world back then. And then he transfers to Iowa um, after transferring to Arizona, never played a game for Arizona. Wrecker becomes eligible to Iowa. They end up, Iowa ends up beating Indiana in 02 in the Big Ten title, or not the title game, in the Big Ten tournament um, on a last-second shot from Luke Wrecker, which was like salt in the wood. So, like, it was just kind of like piling on to Indiana fans. And in, so it, that was the last game that Indiana played before the NCAA tournament. They're playing in the Big Ten tournament, and Luke Wrecker hits a shot to beat him. The the chosen – the ghost golden from Christmas boy. pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. guy that they wanted to have, and then he comes back and bites him in the And you're ass. like, God damn it. This, yes. This sucks. All right, well, let's dust ourselves off and, and get to the NCAA tournament. Um, a and, five and see seed. what happens. Yeah. yeah. Four seed in the first year, five seed in the second year. I think that's pretty impressive for Mike Davis. As we do, like, the revisionist history of Mike Davis, I feel like he, people like to talk about as if he won eight games and they were just terrible and horrible. Obviously. No, that was, that was after. That was after, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> that the next was few years. Uh <laughs> So yeah, that that's that, that, the that, that sets the stage. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have the Duke Blue Devils, who entered the game thirty-one and three. They this was the first year of Ken Palm. This mm-hmm. is Ken Palm's first time he's ever had his website. Uh, to this day, the Duke Blue Devils of two thousand one, two thousand two are the only team in Ken Palm history to be number one in adjusted offense and number one in adjusted defense. That was this team. Um, they, they, for the fourth straight, th- this was the apex of Duke basketball as well. For the fourth mm-hmm. straight year in a row, fourth straight in a row. <laughs> Shane Batty is very upset right now. They're not uh, saying the old yeah, one team is the apex. Duke entered the NCAA tournament as the number one team in the country. Four straight years, mm-hmm. Duke was at the final AP poll, the number one team in the country, including 2002. They were 31 and three going into this game. Um, they started five, in, five guys that would play in the NBA. They brought, off, they brought Daniel Ewing off the bench, who would also play in the NBA. In this game that was played against Indiana, 194 of the 200 individual minutes logged by Duke players were logged by future NBA players. That was the team that. What about Indiana the Indiana roster? <laughs> what, what were they logging in the NBA? It was Jared Jeffries and four white guys, and and that was it. Yeah, I can so, sort of set the stage just a little bit about what was going on with Duke. So they go to Maui, mm-hmm. the Maui bump, the thing that we love the most. They go to Maui and they blow everybody out. This is coming off the Shane Battier National Player of the Year, or Jay Williams National Player of the Year. Shane Battier was AC Player of the Year with Joseph Forte. We no, Battier was it. still National Player of the Year. He was in 01? Yeah. Okay, yeah, in 01. In and 01. then Jay Williams is the next. Jason Williams. Is the next yeah, it was year. basically like Battier was. It, it was a classic Villanova situation where, like, Battier was mm-hmm. always going to win it, but, like, you could kind of fudge the numbers and be like, I don't know, was Jay Will better than Battier back then? And and then the next year, in 02, Jay Will was National Player of the Year because Battier left, yeah. But they basically lost Battier, Nate James, and then brought in 
uh, Dante Jones. Well, Dante Rutgers. Jones had redshirted, so yeah, the, he was, there, there he was, was this all, there's all these stories of the one Duke team. So Dante Jones was in those practices, yeah. and that he was just driving people crazy. Yeah, yeah. And like he was just the, this, right. and like Coach K was like ready to play him. You yeah, know right. I mean? He's like, we don't need Battier. You know, most of he's right. like, right. we got this dirty guy coming in that's even better. You know right. what I mean? And he's a guard, and he's from New Jersey, and he's Jason Jay Williams' friend, best friend. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, that, so that's Duke. So they get the Maui bump. They win their first 12 games. And then I remember watching, they beat Davidson in the Bojangles Coliseum. They beat them by like 40 points, right? And then everyone is kind of, in, in ACC country, Duke is terrifying at this point because they had just, this is what they did at the start of decades. Like 91, 92, they win back-to-back titles. They just won in 01. You're expecting them to do it again in 02. Right. It just seems fitting. They're beating everybody, blowing everybody out. But then they go down to Florida State a team that Duke has always had trouble with, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Steve Robinson, who was the assistant coach at Carolina, the head coach of Florida State back then, he beats Duke when they're number one in the country. Mm-hmm. Kansas, who was coached at, by Roy Williams at the time, shoots up to number one in the rankings. This is the first time Duke's not number one. So I'm feeling great as a North Carolina fan because I'm like, finally, Duke gets what they deserve. They're not as good as they were with Shane Battier. This is going to be great for ACC basketball. Duke continues to rip off wins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Jason Williams is unbelievable. And anyways, he keeps going, keeps going. They lose uh, at Virginia. And then they go in the AC tournament. And I told you this earlier. They used to wheel the TVs out for the AC tournament. Uh, like for us in class. Like you could watch the games. Like you on Wheel? Like wheel. Oh, wheel. I, like, wheel. Like a, I thought you were like, like, you were like no, really no, no, wanted well, them to no, come no, out. No, 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 no. Like wheel. Like on like a oh, cart, like a TV cart. This is 2002, Like remember? when you're in elementary school yes, and the teacher yes, is a little yes, hungover and yes. they wheel in the, the yeah, screen. And they're like, we're going to watch, gonna watch uh, Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, right. You know? You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So they, they do that. This is how you watch ACC basketball. So everyone in my class, there's like, you know, the five yeah. or six Duke kids that nobody they know ever went to Duke. And then there's everyone else who's pulling against them. Wake Forest fans, state fans, whatever. We watch Duke. Duke in the Bojangles Coliseum, they see tournament. They play first North Carolina, a team that they've beaten by 30 points in every game that year. Matt Darty. Was this the 8 and 20 year for Carolina? This is uh, the or year before that. The, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same Basically. Yeah. Basically. Matt Darty's the getting, They're getting blown yeah, out. Like right. Jason Williams, who wanted to go to Carolina, uh, but they took Adam Boone. Bill Guthrie said, you know what? Adam Boone's better than him. <laughs> uh, Jason Williams is just like putting up massive numbers on North Carolina this season. And in the AC tournament, they go literally, they blow out North Carolina, then they beat Wake Forest, then they beat nc state and so as far as the rhombus you know the 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 triangle as they like to call we like to call it the research rhombus everyone is defeated yeah and everyone knows inherently that duke is going to go i didn't want to watch the tournament you know everyone's like duke's going to go win the tournament the indiana game i remember coming back inside because we were just we didn't believe it you know what i mean like as it was happening we're just like no way so i'd go back outside keep shooting basketball then get called back in and then we watched the final run and I still don't believe it to this day, and neither does Coach K. Yeah. So that's no, the Duke yeah. story. They still yeah. cannot believe they did not win They cannot title. believe Duke was ranked number one this season for all but four weeks. There yes. were four polls that came out, and I forget how many polls there are in a season, like 20-something. Mm-hmm. There were four polls in which Duke was not ranked number one, and I think in those four they were like two or three. Like mm-hmm. they never fell further than three. Indiana, conversely, the highest IU was ranked all season was 20th. <laughs> um, this was – I, I – what a game! Uh, so that is the stage. That is that is why uh, this result is is so staggering. Um, it was it was not enough to just. I, I swear to God, if Indiana's jersey said Butler, and this was two thousand two, uh, uh, which by the way, Indiana had lost to Butler that year. Um, if, if if this was Butler, if Indiana's jersey said Valparaiso or something, and this exact same thing happens, it's all the same players. This is one of the greatest upsets in NCAA tournament history. I swear, because it makes it makes no goddamn sense when you break it down like. Like we're breaking it down here, but um, it's it, funny too because even the 2010 game that Butler lost, they peeled. They we still talk about like this, uh, you know, this 
amazing thing that happened in basketball. They almost hit a half-court shot yeah, to beat Duke. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if it actually had been Butler, yes, they would have gone crazy. Um, is there anything else before we, we dive into that, the game itself that, that we need to, to – let's, let's just do the, the how we want to kind of map this out. We're going to okay. do like our fun facts slash not fun facts. We're going to do the moment when the game was over for us, which is something we always like to do. We're going to do the goat versus the goat because, again, this is culture versus culture. There are goats, and then there are goats, people you blame, people that are the greatest of all time, and then there are the many what-ifs that we have, which is my favorite part of the show. But first, let's just start with the facts. All right, let's uh, let's let's first take a break. Okay. Right? Yeah, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back. and Yeah, no, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll get into all this. All right, let's, let's do that again. Okay. So those are the four quadrants we have. We've got fun facts. We've got not-so-fun facts. We've got the what-ifs that we want to say for the mm-hmm. end of this. We've got to do the goat versus the goat, which will be interesting. And then I, I think the thing that is going to be interesting to see is when we both thought the game was over. Because it, this is probably going to be the first time that we've thought the game was over for maybe the other team. You right, know right. I mean? <laughs> yes. The game was over yes. when uh, it tipped off. The game was over because Duke was going to win. When yeah. Mike Davis is yelling what at an official yeah, when they're right. down 6-3, to three, the game is over in my mind. Um, all right. So we're going we're gonna to break it down the categories. We're going to dive into the game itself. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break first, though. Quick break to talk about our sponsor, Dollar Shave Club. When we do talk about Dollar Shave Club, we cannot stress enough the quality of their products. They've spent years developing, crafting, refining everything. They have everything I use to look, feel, and smell my best. You name it, they have it. I use it. I have been a Dollar Shave Club member forever, Tate. I talk about it all the time. I I just got my email yesterday. They are sending me a new box of razors i cannot imagine paying for razor blades going to a supermarket and saying i need razor blades you'd be an idiot you'd be out of your mind to do such a thing it's the best this it's the best no one wants to do it no one wants to go buy go pay for razors you can have them shipped to you um it's the best and as amazing as our safe stuff is dollar shave club is way more than just razors Dollar Shave Club has you covered head to toe. They have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and yes, even wipe your butt. And Dollar Shave Club can keep you automatically stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month, a few times a year, however often you need to shave, wipe your butt, put on your prep scrub tape. You tell them, you tell them, they will build it around your schedule. I've never, I never have to waste time at a store wondering if what I'm getting is any good as a Dollar Shave Club member. I know what I'm getting is the highest quality, and right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club products to the test. Their Ultimate Shaver Starter Set has basically everything you need for an amazing shave. The Executive Razor, Shave Butter, Prep Scrub, and Post Shave Dude. The best part is you can try it for just $5. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Get your Ultimate Starter Set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com. What? That's dollarshaveclub.com. We... <laughs> Slash Tate. Give Titus the new copy. I don't understand He's Dollar Shave Club. He's going to throw my computer I, soon if we I, don't get him new copy. I love you so much. <laughs> I've used your products for years. I don't even have to lie. This isn't This isn't all the other ads that we read in, in my life where like I have to bullshit and be like, I DollarShaveClub.com slash tits. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's it's they're negging me is what they are. That makes they me are. love them more. It's like I I'm fighting for their affection so much that you got to come yeah. up with your four letters. I, I think Mark is. I think Mark works. You yeah, should use own the mark. Right. Yeah. There you go. Um, That's our spinoff podcast. Own the mark. Go That's get where dollar. you watch the Indiana Duke game over and over again. <laughs> and you just keep doing it. <laughs> dollar shape flip. <laughs> Back to the podcast. They're ready with the whistles, and this 22,000 capacity crowd is ready to roar. They've been cheering since they awakened this morning, and most of them are here to cheer against 
the favorite, the Duke Blue Devils. And Duke has it first. Jason Williams and Coverdale will be the matchup there. That's a tough test for Coverdale with a bad ankle. All right, here we go. Uh, the stage has been set. We we, we know that what's at stake here. A, a chance to play Antonio Gates in the Kent State Golden <laughs> Flashes in the Elite Eight. <laughs> a chance to play a guy. Did you, are, were you aware that Antonio, played, Antonio Gates played basketball? Have you ever known that before? I have never heard that. that Who, wow, that's incredible. True. He played yeah. basketball? Yeah, what State, do you yeah. mean? Is that, mean, is that why yeah. his hands are yeah. so good? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Um, all right, let's 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 dive into the game. How many itself. times have you heard, look at Antonio Gates box this guy out yeah, the red zone. Right. You're like, okay, we get, we get it. it. He played. We get it. Um, never heard that about Julius Peppers. He played. Let's dive into the game itself. Um, this was not a good basketball game in, in, in a traditional sense. There were yes. 43 fouls. Duke called. and Indiana were on the court. Yes, it was not yeah. a good game. It was <laughs> okay, not all right, good. All right, we get it. We get it. Calm down. Um, there were 43 fouls called in a 40-minute game. There, uh, Indiana had 23 turnovers. Um, Indiana shot two for 10 from the three-point line. And as, as I continue to rattle off these stats, it, it becomes more and more it's confusing. It's poetic they had 23 turnovers yeah. and won this game. Uh, it was one of the sloppiest first halves that that you could possibly imagine they had i think they had 16 yeah there it is 16 for turnovers in the first half tate uh they're throwing the ball over over the floor uh tom coverdale less than five minutes into this game uh tom coverdale starting point guard for indiana uh i, I have to get backstory on all these indiana guys because i didn't realize this until you pointed out that unless you're like a, an indiana person all you remember from indiana is jared jeffries you have no idea who the rest of the guys yeah are. as we were rewatching this game i kept saying to you i thought jared jeffries was doing more you know what i mean even like the certain people, even like Coverdale and and Dane Fife, I thought was the same person. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought eleven and three were the same guy. Like just the, the Kyle Hornsby. Do you yeah, even remember the, who Kyle Hornsby? Is? You're no, like, I mean uh, uh, now that I just yeah. watched the game, so it's kind of hard to be to say it. But obviously, yeah. going into it, I, yeah. if you could have read fifteen different names, right. I'd be like, yeah, I guess that guy played on the team. Yeah. I don't know. Your memory was literally Jared Jeffries playing one on five. Yeah, like, I, I mean that's there pretty were much. other guys out there. I don't yeah, remember that. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tom Coverdale. Uh, even though Tate doesn't remember, was uh, the second best player on Indiana. Um, and Odell. Odell I had forgotten about. Jared Odell, yeah. Yes. Unsung hero of this yes. game. Um, yes. So Coverdale gets his second foul, goes to the bench. Uh, Donald Perry, freshman point guard for Indiana, comes in. It starts. Th- Indiana starts throwing the ball all over the gym. Um, it's an absolute mess of a of And a by Indiana, pass. you mean Donald Perry. He, yeah, has, about, he yeah. has two terrible, terrible passes. There. One of them didn't even lead to a turnover because he kind of fouled Chris Duhon out of yeah. bounds, and they just said it was so, their ball. The, the, the two things that are established early on is – there are three things established. Number one, Duke is much better than Indiana. Duke blows open a 17-point first-half lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and it, 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 the game is going exactly how everyone anticipates. Duke is – Indiana is completely outmatched. Jared Jeffries is doing his best. He's looking around like, is anybody going to help me? Tom Coverdale's on the bench just like, no, I, I'm not Jared. I'm going to sit here on the bench. Um, so, he had so, two fouls before the under-16 timeout, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So. There's that. Uh, secondly, uh, Indiana establishes themselves as – turnover prone they're just gonna throw it they only average 13 turnovers a game all season mm-hmm. which is you know pretty it's not that's not exactly great but it's not by any means bad uh so it's not like they were very turnover prone all year uh but but that was the theme of this game so we, we get that all the way very very early that this is going to be a problem all game and number three tate the officiating is horrendous on both sides <laughs> and i'm not even doing the both sides thing because um you know i'm, I'm trying to make it not sound like I was a, a a homer either way. This the the officiating was very very bad. Uh, Duke fans love to point to the the Chris Duhon stripping of AJ Moye at the very end of the game um, as as an egregious call, and it was it was a horrible call. Mm-hmm. It it swung the game. We're gonna get to that in the what if section. Um, very very bad call. But 
the counter to that is Indiana was getting screwed the entire first half. The, the refs were just, they had no idea. They were just like, you know what? We're just going to blow our whistle. All, there were 43 fouls called in a 40-minute game. It did feel like the refs in the first half realized, like we at home realized, that this game should be over pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that yeah. all the officials yeah. there were like, let's go ahead and wrap this up. You yeah. know what I mean? Because if you look at it, I think Indiana, Jared Jeffries hit a three. The the first three that he hit in this game, they, they pointed out he was 37% from the three-point line, but it's not a shot that Duke was afraid of. Like, let him take the three. And I remember yes. they, that three cut it to 12, and then they showed the graphic and said, Indiana has 12 turnovers, they're down 12, and Jared Jeffries just hit a three to cut it to 12. And you say to yourself right about then, yeah, this, this seems like it's not going to go well for Indiana. Yeah. And from there, somehow or another, there were all these little moments where Duke should have blown it out, but they didn't. They kept leaving the door open. And they also had 11 steals in the first half. And somehow, I mean, even though they got the points off turnovers and they kept bringing that up, it still felt like they were leaving moral on the table. Yeah, oh, they were. Yeah, Duke did not play well at all. And, and a big reason for It felt that like the is, Jay Williams, when he got that steal and he missed the, on the back iron, when he had yeah. the wide-open breakaway layup, yeah. that was Duke in a nutshell in this game. It was like, this is so easy. Just think, finish. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, they that couldn't. Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coverdale comes back in with like uh, what, what I had it written down here. When did Coverdale come back? He comes back into the first half because they, they were going to bench him the whole first half, but mm-hmm. it's going absolutely horribly. Uh, Duke's up twenty nine twelve, so Duke's up seventeen with eight thirty nine to play. Coverdale comes back in. I, at this point, with less than twelve minutes into the game, IU already has twelve turnovers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how good you are at math, Tate. That's more than one not turnover good. per minute. Not yeah. good. That's yeah. not good. Um, back when the shot clock was thirty five seconds, by the way. So like traditionally your possessions mm-hmm. you get one possession a minute and IU had more than one turnover per yeah anyway so very very bad uh Coverdale comes back in immediately gets a steal gets runs a fast break throws it to Kyle Hornsby gets an assist IU starts getting some juice going again but again like Duke is so much better than them it's an absolute mess the refs have no idea what they're doing at one point Carlos Boozer hooks I think it was Jeffries he's posting up he hooks Jeffries horrible chicken wing on a post move Dribbles off his foot and it goes out of bounds and they give the ball to Duke. They say off of Indiana Duke ball. Like you can call the foul on Boozer. You can That's call when out of Mike Davis starts running yeah. up and down the sideline and he's throwing his hands in the air. And this is the perfect example of the officials because he's going crazy about the call and Coach K starts going crazy because he's going crazy about him being out of the coach's box. Yeah, because he wants him to get a technical. So he's like, if I was running up and down the sideline like a madman, you would give me a technical. Right. And they're both just yelling so hard at the refs. Right. And the refs are just ignoring everybody. You know, Dane Fife like, <laughs> is losing his mind as well and they're the like court. you're not getting yeah, a call yeah, tonight, yeah, dude. Dane, yeah, not tonight not tonight calm like, down come on um coverdale is very frustrated coverdale rolls his ankle coverdale I, I forgot to part of the setting the stage coverdale had a bum ankle all year this is why tommy tough nuts is an indiana legend and always will be uh the guy had a bum ankle like pretty much all season and kept aggravating it throughout the ncaa tournament run um, dante he, jones made sure to aggravate it again yeah in the yeah he game. aggravates yes. it again against duke and then the next game against kent state which uh, you know, we're not talking about, it, but I'm just going to tack it on here. He, he, he. I think he, he misses, like he, he rolls his ankle in that game and is out for the rest of the game. And then there are questions about whether he'd even play against Oklahoma in the Final Four. Um, so Tommy Toughnuts is out there giving it his all, but he's getting in fouls. He's turning his ankle, and again, he's the second best player. So even mm-hmm. when you stack up Indiana's roster, they're already massively at a disadvantage here. Yes, their second best player is basically taken completely out of the game by fouls and a bum ankle, and the fact that he's going up against. Maybe the best point guard in, in 30 years of college basketball, and Jason Williams. And let's talk about that point guard, because yeah, in this game, do. Jason Williams is almost an afterthought for the most part. I mean, it's I don't a, even think almost. I think yes. it, I think if Jason Williams doesn't hit the shot and then miss the free throw, you would forget that he was even in this game. Mm-hmm. I think you would assume that he this was like the year after he had left or something, because he's completely MIA. 
completely MIA. And if we want to work it back to being completely MIA, in the game before, uh, I have there was a reporter for ESPN who was who wrote a nice piece up after the oh. last game. In the, in the second round, uh, they played another team from Indiana if you remember. And it was a very close game. And, and the headline of a writer, let me see, is a special to ESPN.com. Oh, yeah, Dick Vitale. Oh, okay, I've heard of yeah, that. Yeah, so he wrote a piece after that game. Duke holds off a feisty Irish team. And here's how this story starts. What a classic, baby! It was the Irish and the Blue Devils locked horns in a thrilling second-round matchup Saturday. The pupil Mike Bray versus the mentor Coach K. That's how he opened the article. Did he, does he, how does this he write? How, does he write in all caps no, in 2002? Basically, in spaces. <laughs> like he gives you like room to breathe as if he's breathing. I don't know who typed this out for Dickie V or if he typed it out, but he's a legend. Uh, but in this game, Daniel Ewing, he says, is basically going to be a lock for my all Rolades team. <laughs> and if you uh, – I don't know if everyone has their all Rolades list out. Go ahead and pull that out. Uh, and, and, he, and he puts after that, you want to talk about relief? This kid provided relief with a capital R. The R is in Rolades, obviously. Knocking down four big trifectas, and the Blue Devils needed every one of them. Uh, he goes on to say that you know Daniel Ewing is a guy they're going to have to rely on if they really want to have a big tournament. He also says at the end of this article that Jason Williams, if you put him at the free throw line in a clutch situation he will answer the bell that is what they learn in the notre dame game. oh he said in the free throw line in, in, in this article oh, this is on page two this is this dickie is v espn this is leading into the next game so if you put jason williams at the free throw line he will answer the bell and daniel ewing has to be a key cog for them to win this Ooh. game and if you ask coach k who was the cog in making them lose this game he would say daniel fucking ewing <laughs> that's what he would say Dickie V used to write articles. Used to write articles. Pour one out for Dickie V's writing I think he used career. to, you know that old like dragon voice software? Like I think he just read into a microphone and just typed it out for him. What, what do Roll Aids relieve again? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, where the hell? This was back in 02. And I remember Roll Aids commercials, right? Like we used to see the Roll Aids. I mean, I know Roll Aids, the brand. Yeah, but I, didn't I feel know. like Roll Aids and Tenactin are two brands that were very prominent in my life that have now completely disappeared. I you remember Tenactin? Tough well, acting Tenactin? What the hell happened to Tenactin? I'm it's pretty, like, Pepto-Bismol, I think, is what happened. Like, is I Athlete's just, Foot out? Yes. Like no one gets Athlete's Foot anymore? We don't need Tenactin? I think people are wearing <laughs> socks. They're just wearing better socks. Maybe Stance is giving them better socks. Uh, Tenactin cure athlete's foot across. Like, it's eradicated. There's no more athlete's foot because John Madden was like, boom, tough acting Tenactin. <laughs> thank you, John Madden. Thank you, John, <laughs> thank you, John Madden. He's you the did modern it. Jonas Salk. Rollades is heartburn and acid indigestion. So it's definitely Pepto-Bismol. Oh, Pepto-Bismol. That, that's what took just, them out. Okay, we did, we did right. learn that. Oh, God. Fun times. Um, so, yeah, he... he, he predicted that Jay Williams would be clutch at the free throw line, huh? And that Daniel Ewing would be a key cog in any of their victories in the tournament. Oh, God. He Spoiler alert, he was not. And because of the Jones foul out, Mike Krzyzewski has almost been forced to go with Daniel Ewing, who was the hero for Duke in the Notre Dame victory, but he has made a number of freshman mistakes in this game. So, um, Indiana goes into the halftime break. They're down, what, 15, was it? I think something yes. like that. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. Who cares? They were yeah. down a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yes. They were. They were. They were down a lot. Uh, it was. It, it was not going well. And then um, the second half starts. I think it was they, forty-two to twenty-nine. Oh, it was the thirteen. 13. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that does sound right. Forty-two to twenty-nine. Um, and then the second half comes around, and introduction to a man by the name of AJ Moye. Mm -hmm. And from then on, first of all, we we got we got to shout out Jared Odell, who goes five for five to start the second half. Uh, is killing it is is the unsung hero for Indiana is the guy that that um, even if 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 you asked a hundred Indiana fans like what do you remember about this game 
maybe five will remember that Jared Odell was five for five. He only played 18 minutes. And uh, what, what was the stat line? I had a stat line here. Um, yeah, he had 15 and five in 18 mm-hmm. minutes. He was seven for nine from the field. He went five for five to start the second half. And then Mike Davis puts him on the bench, <laughs> partly because like he, there was nobody for him to really guard. Um, Duke's, Duke was basically like four round one with Boozer down low. And Dunleavy was sort of the power forward. Dante Jones was sort of the power. Dante Jones was like six 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 five. Dunleavy's six nine, but he's like a shooting guard basically. So like, who the hell is who? Who the hell is Odell going to guard? I don't really know. But the man started five for five. Mike, come on. He started come five on. for five, and he also got Coach K to call a timeout pretty yeah. quickly into the second half. Yeah. And Coach K goes back to his team and basically lays into him and says, "Are you guys?" Kidding he turns me? to his assistants. He's like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" Yeah, he's like, <laughs> That's "Who is it?" He's like, and Johnny Dawkins and everyone was like, "I have no idea. We weren't scouting this team." We, we were looking ahead to the final coach, four. Coach, we were ready. To, we were scouting Maryland. The <laughs> yeah, whole yeah, yeah, Coach, we did not know that Indiana had Jared Jeffries. Coach, we're we, really sorry. Coach, we had called fourth grade uh, fourth grader in Carolina named Tate Frazier. He told us they had one player named Jared Jeffries and no one else. Coach, I think we were fed poor information by this fourth grader. Uh, so, Odell, Odell comes out strong in the second half, and then it becomes the A.J. Moye show. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana goes on a – at one point, Indiana goes on a 17-2 to run – Fueled almost exclusively by AJ Moye's fist pumps and backdoor cuts, uh, they cut the lead to one. It's sixty-three, sixty-two with five thirty to play, and then it happens with five twenty-two. The AJ Moye block caps off the run. AJ, I'm I, eighth grade me. Uh, I had my first wet experience in my pants as I'm watching this. I'm like, what is happening to me? What is happening to my body? Um, the AJ Moye block happens, which is funny because uh, if you would have asked me like five or six, seven years ago. When that block happened, I would have I would have assumed I, I conflated the two memories of Boozer missing the the putback on the Jay Williams free throw, and Moye blocking a shot. That I you could have convinced me that Moye blocked like the final shot. That Boozer gets the offensive rebound and goes up, and Moye goes up it and slaps at it the down, buzzer, and everyone's like, yeah. "Unbelievable!" Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I mean he acted like he did when he blocked it with five minutes left. It felt like he had won the game. I um, can't wait to talk about that moment. Yeah, so Moye Moye takes over. Uh, everyone's juiced up. Duke. Um, but Duke still like takes the lead. Duke still has the lead. Duke, like Duke takes IU's best punch, and they still have the lead. And then they they push it up to six. Dunleavy hits a three. Duke is now up six, and it's like, well, shit. IU just gave everything they had. Uh, AJ Moye is running out of gas. It looks like like he's like, I only have so many fist pumps. I'm gonna need some help. Jeffrey starts playing a little harder because he's like, oh shit, we actually might win this game. I, this whole time I was just playing for my draft stock because I thought we were definitely gonna lose. But wait, we might actually win. Uh. So Jeffrey starts starts uh you know taking over in his way as well, um, and then the wheels just sort of fall off for Duke, and like Indiana just sneaks in two two huge plays from Tom Coverdale. He's got the coast to coast play, yeah. misses the layup, sheds Chris Duhon on the baseline, leaves it short, gets the rebound, throws it to Jeffries for the and one, uh, and then later in the game IU gets their first lead with a Tom Coverdale post up on the low block turnaround jumper, <laughs> classic Indiana basketball. Um, and and that's it. And then and then the final play happens that we all know and love. And that that was pretty much the game. So it was like a completely sloppy game. At no point in time, even when like Indiana was on their seventeen to two run, it didn't feel like they were like you could have covered the score and asked me what the score was. And I've been like, well, they're probably still down like twelve or ten, you know. Even when they were down one, it was like it didn't feel like they were playing well enough to be that close with the best team in the country. And. Duke was not playing like the best team in the country, obviously, and they were playing very scared. And also, I remember the announcers, Dick, Dickenberg at one point is basically like, and this is what Indiana's supposed to do, run their half-court offense. Yeah, right. They're, they're taking down the Blue Devils. By the way, like, he, he, said that, he said that on the, they, they said that on the play where uh, 
I forget. Someone just was it the Coverdell in the post, and he's like, no, "Look no, at no, them yeah. running their offense." This is where has this been all game? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the Moye back cut. They okay, catch the ball at the yeah, high post. Yeah, Moye yeah. back cuts from the wing. And they throw him a bounce pass. It wasn't even half court offense. It was literally like two passes. Catch the ball at the high post. Throw the back cut pass, and then Moye hits the layup, and they're like, "Where's this been all game?" Like, <laughs> this is IU basketball, this is, folks. This is what Mike oh Davis drew God. up in the huddle. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, and then it happens. And then Jay Will, Dane Five fouls Jay Will. The two guys that were MIA the entire game, like the two players that Jane Five was the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten this year. Um, but he he did not have a great game. He hits the first three that he shoots. Uh, didn't didn't do much else after that. Mm-hmm. Um, what wasn't particularly great defensively even, but uh, at the same time, so, so like he, he, what I was gonna say is like he's a guy that kind of faded into the background, but he was a very important part of this Indiana team all season. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like didn't have a great game, and then he makes his presence felt in a boneheaded way by fouling Jay Will. Jay Will, in the same way, like was obviously the best player in the country, was kind of MIA all game. He makes his presence felt, hits the three, and then blows it and misses a layup. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. And we all remember Dickie V saying before that that when the pupil Mike Bray's team, Notre Dame, took on Jay Williams, he got over those jitterbugs and made those free throws, and it set the stage for him to succeed in this game. Let's get into our segments. Let's do the segments. Let's break it down. Moye on the floor and another turnover in Indiana. Check out the fastest tournament scoreboards on the internet. Get play-by-play of each game only at cbs.sportsline.com or on America Online, enter keyword CBS Sportsline. All right, so we got fun facts. My first fun fact that I want to throw about this game is during the middle of this game, they throw to a little – CBS likes to do these little you know, promos for their other programs. We understand how this works. Uh, they throw to 60 minutes, and they say, get ready. Last night, you remember, Coach K sat down with the great Charlie Rose and says – he doesn't have a coach. That's why he has to be so hard on himself. Coach K does not have a coach. He yeah. does not have a coach. So Charlie Rose is sitting there with the classic Charlie Rose question, which is basically like, why? Why, Coach K? Why, that, why do you have to be so hard on yourself? Or was that a himself? comment about uh, Bob Knight being fired? Was that his way of saying it? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now I don't like, have a now coach. Now Coach Knight's gone. I now I don't coach. have a coach. Yeah, I'm confused. Uh, so that's my fun fact. Charlie Rose, Coach K, getting that interview in. Because Coach K was setting up for the, the press tour of back-to-back champion. I have this fact. Certainly not a fun fact whatsoever, mm-hmm. but uh, it sets the mood and. Um, not really. Again, not a great way of phrasing it. Uh, but both teams were wearing American flags. There was American flags on the court. This was the first NCAA tournament after 9/11. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Duke's American flag was much bigger than Indiana's. Uh, that's a, that's a note that stood out to me. It was like Duke was like, "We will have the biggest American. We are America's team. Mm-hmm. We will have the biggest flag on our jerseys." Um, so that that was something because I I remember I like I turned it, it. It didn't really dawn on me. I was like watching it. I was like, "Why does Indiana have? Like, what's the deal with all the? Oh, right." And to put right, it in context of 2002, U2 per, uh, performed <laughs> at the Super Bowl and did a whole tribute uh, with the American flag as well. So uh, That is, again, not a fun fact, but uh, a, fact. A, fact, a fact nonetheless. That's, Here's yeah. a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Carlos Boozer was the best free they, – they said this many times throughout the game. Carlos Boozer was the best free throw shooter on Duke's team. He shot 75% from the line, which if you saw Carlos Boozer – If you saw the throw, form, yeah, you would never believe if that. If you blocked out the, the screen mm-hmm. where the basket was when he was shooting his free throws, you'd be like, this guy is a 36% free throw shooter. To put it in context, it's like Charles Barkley's golf swing, yeah. but a free throw. And he, sh- he would shoot his left elbow out as a way to like align himself horizontally to the basket. Mm-hmm. And then he would like – he was something else watching Carlos Boozer succeed will blow your mind as an aside big time chest hair game between Tom Coverdale and Carlos <laughs> Boozer like I don't know what was in the water who was older yeah like oh my god we're the, the chest hair was out of control we haven't Coverdale like, was 41 in this game yeah. Boozer was 33 
It was uh, um, it was amazing. Jay Will was only a sixty eight percent free throw shooter, by the way, on the season. Race is so, sixty nine. Yeah, there you go. Um, not quite there. Here's another. Here's a fun One fact away. for you. Uh, you know who was a sophomore on this Duke team on the bench did not get any playing time, unfortunately. A man by the name of Reggie Love, mm. famous for giving Barack Obama buckets and uh, uh, playing. He played in the Celebrity All Star game, right? Yes. Did he play against Rosillo? Probably. I wonder. Yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. I just love that they love bringing up Reggie Love. Yeah. Yeah. Reg- Reggie Love but, was a uh, was on this. Lots team. of love. What else we got? What other? I also think Reggie Love like like kind of stays in my mind because of Buddy Love from Nutty Professor. But you know we'll pass on that. Uh, Another thing I learned in this game: Daniel Ewing uh, played high school basketball with T.J. Ford. We of course remember the great T.J. Ford from Texas. We won National Player of the Year the next year. Yeah, in two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. With David West, it was Mm -hmm. the co. It was one of the the fun years where it's a split. The Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. T.J. Ford, one of the worst National Player of the Year of all time. No, I love T.J. Ford. T.J. Ford. uh, He basically, yeah. He he. I I forget. I don't have the stats in front of me, but the way I remember it is like T.J. Ford average like 11 points a game and but everyone loved him and yeah and one national player of the year um he's a lot like john lucas the third a lot of people yeah just right like, everyone right. just kind of like yeah. i don't know why i don't but know I really why i love this kid god damn big 12 <laughs> basketball kirk heinrich john lucas yeah. tj ford trey young even in the future just kept uh, going. here's a fun fact about jay will who uh I-, I contend is the best point guard in my lifetime in college, college basketball i've ever seen um he he was unbelievable the, the basically had no weaknesses other than free throw shooting um Derrick Rose before Derrick Rose, and then he stayed for obviously more than one year. Uh, you can make an argument, as I said, he should have won back-to-back National Player of the Year. He was never going to. People are going to always vote for Battier. I'm not even. I don't even care enough to argue that he was actually better than Battier. I'm just saying he was that good that he was every bit as good as Battier that year. Um, and then comes back, does win National Player of the Year. So his his one year, he's probably the second best player in the country. Mm-hmm. His junior year, he stayed three years, right, mm-hmm. or two years. Three. No, three. Three. So his junior year, he is the, the best player in the country. Um, and the man has in his trophy case right now zero ACC Player of the Year trophies. Guess who has one? Joseph Forte. <laughs> Joseph Forte has more beat out Jay Williams. That is that is egregious. That is very bad. That Joseph Forte. It's very funny too because today we were arguing uh, before we started doing the podcast. You're like, no, Shane Battier won ACC Player of the Year in 2001. And I'm like, no, he no, didn't. No, no, Joseph yeah, Forte like, did. No, I was like, dude, are you high? <laughs> J- Shane Battier was like Look, the runaway. If Jason Capel did not mentally ruin Joseph Forte, he would have been one of the greatest players we've ever seen in the ACC. <laughs> and guess who is working with the Duke Blue Devils? Jason Capel. Oh, would you look at that? We already know. Uh, but, yeah, more fun facts. Here we go. 14-2, uh, and two, the 1-2 seeds in the tournament this year. The only other one or two seeds to lose uh, in this tournament, Alabama – Coached by drumroll, please, <laughs> Mark Godfrey. Any loss? Why did uh, Why did Godfrey? That's one of the great mysteries. Alabama why lost. did Godfrey leave his alma mater when he had him rolling? He had the number one team in the country in 03. He had the two seed in 02. It just doesn't add up. It just what, doesn't. What add is up. the story there? I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> and then the the other team that was a one or two seed that lost had to make it 14 and two. No drum roll here because we feel bad. Uh, Bob Huggins, the yeah, Huggy Bear yeah. in Cincinnati, also lost. We'll, we'll and also, cut that part. Yeah, 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 we'll take that out. Uh, so those are the two teams. I thought that was interesting because Duke had at least two other teams to lean on. Yeah, one of them uh, being Mark Godfrey. Uh, the last fun fact I had, and then we'll, we'll dive into the uh, the goats debate and all that stuff. Um, so the the color guy on this game, I thought it was Dan Bonner. Sounded mm-hmm. a lot like Dan Bonner. Is a guy by the name of Matt Gukas. Gukas. I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um. There's a Sixers. We got Sixers fans agreeing. Yeah, Sixers, yeah, Sixers, Sixers fans. fans no, they're like, that's, yeah, our, that's, that's our boy. Yeah, that's yeah. our guy, Matt Kukas. Uh Philadelphia legend. Uh, him and his, he he had a dad. He had a father who played mm. basketball okay. uh, in the NBA. 
won a national or uh, NBA title. I'm sorry, Gukas himself won a, an NBA title. They are the first father son duo to win NBA titles as players. That is the the guy who was on the color. I I, I never knew who Matt Gukas was until I watched this game and I looked it up. I don't know. Those what what championship team was he on? I don't. The eighty three. I don't know. I Sixers? just saw that and I thought it was interesting because throughout the entire game they're showing Mike. I'm Dunley. gonna say eighty three six. They're showing five hundred. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, Sorry, I thought Trebek. They're showing Mike Dunleavy Senior mm-hmm. and Mike because Mike Dunleavy Junior. Like the whole th- there's a, the big theme of this game was like Mike Dunleavy's dad is is somebody in basketball, and as it turns out, the Gukas family was also a little father son thing. And Mike Dunleavy Senior, he looks like Snape in the crowd trying to curse. It wasn't Snape, obviously, but like you know, trying to curse during the Quidditch game. You know what I mean? He looks <laughs> he really like did. he's doing some sort of evil type spell. He doesn't seem. That's really a good a th- callback to yeah. the Harry Potter, as you yeah, said. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. look at that. I want to give You're people, professional. You know, yeah. It was 2002. We're living in 2002. Uh, uh, Mike Mike Dunleavy Senior <laughs> looked like Simon Cowell when Justin Guarini was on stage. <laughs> A moment like exactly. this. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, that makes sense. Or something like Survivor. Who knows? Um, uh, oh, I had one other. Sorry. Right, cl- classic me when I say I have one more thing. And one I more fact. Five other things. Um, this is mind-blowing. The sports reference box score, which I, I, I purport sports reference to be a very reputable source on these things. Mm-hmm. I, I treat them as it's, it, it's Ken Palm is 1A, 1B is sports reference in terms of like just point to that, lock it in. If they say it, it is, then it is. <laughs> Sports reference in this box score, they have A.J. Moye down as having zero blocks in the game. The most iconic play of the game was A.J. Moye's block, and he got credited for zero blocks, apparently. So you just started a whole new job, which is what I've been waiting for, which is the fact check of the stats, the stat checks. Yeah. We need stat checkers. checkers. I need stat checkers because not only this, like the SIDs are all these schools that put the stats in. Like there is is room for human error. There is always problems that could happen. And also – are we sure that they're always sure? right? Yeah. We're not sure. Like, Do you think guys won National Player of the Year awards like in the fifties, based off of faulty stats? Where they're the 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 statistics? They're they're only did Wilt Chamberlain that, score hundred yeah, points? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if the, the statistician was just drunk during that game and just like that? That's really the real story. That, that we find some found footage of that game and like people break it down. They're like, the dude scored seventy one. How did we get to hundred? I don't get it. <laughs> It's possible. It's Anything's it, possible. Anything is um, possible. All right, so those are some fun facts from the game. Last week, Survivor was television's most watched show. Now it returns to its regular day and time. That'll be next Thursday night on CBS with an incredible challenge you have to see to believe. Catch an all-new Survivor next Thursday, 8, 7 Central, here on CBS. Let's do the GOAT. The GOAT? The so, GOAT versus the GOAT. All right, let's start with the uh, the Capital GOAT. Okay. That's the, we, let's start with the good news, right? Um, who's your pick? I'll let you go first because, yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard for me to say anyone other than the one player I remember from Indiana. <laughs> so, you know, it would be really disingenuous for me to, you know, start, you know, kind of re- be a revisionist and say, look, I just watched the tape and let me just tell you, Odell, yeah, my boy, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, guy. Yeah, right, no. Right. So Jared Jeffries would be my GOAT, all capitalized. I think for one reason, he made Indiana cool that year. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching them play strictly for him. He was the only guy that I was like, oh, this is – an interesting player that I can see playing in the pros, and I like his style, and he seems very loose, and he's like kind of just smooth, you know? Yeah, very, he was smooth. He'd he yeah. lead the break a like lot. A, like a George Gervin just kind of like floats around. 6'9", yeah. 220, 25 maybe. Yeah, led the break. Post could bang in the post, step out and All reasons to like him, you yeah. know what I mean? But he also seemed... Hometown kid as well, Bloomington. Yeah, and seemed very unbothered mm-hmm. by the moment, you know what I mean? I always like people like that. I always mm-hmm. like a Sean Singletary, you know what I mean? Like you could, I like the excitement, but I also like people that wanted it. Yeah. And that's why Jason Williams in this game, we'll get into that, 
uh, he didn't. It didn't look like in his eyes he wanted to take that free throw, despite Dick Vitale believing he should be yeah. taking it. You know yeah. what I mean? Jared Jeffries in this game, once it started getting rolling after you talked about when they cut 59-51, when Moye kind of gets rolling, he kind of got loose. And he had. The, I remember he had this one like pump fake for a three on Dunleavy, and he drove past him, and he did this little turnaround and finished. And mm-hmm. it kind of was like, oh, Jared Jeffries is here to play now. Oh, he's an hey. NBA player. Yeah, and yeah. he's the leading yeah. scorer. And Dunleavy... Quickly though, is it Dunleavy or Dunleavy? Because when I was in 2001, we all said Dunleavy. Everyone, I, I everyone said, Dunleavy. said yeah. everyone said Dunleavy. And then later on in life, people started saying Dunleavy, mm. including Mike Senior. Like he'll say his own name was it Mike Dunleavy Senior? Dune Dunleavy. It's Dun. Dune, what if it's Dunleavy? Le- I don't think they know. <laughs> and, it, and it's Trayvon Duval. Duval. It creates a whole like, why do these Duke players not like their names? Like <laughs> Jason Williams. Like all, I, we understand there's some layers of that, but he becomes Jay Williams, you know. And then we got like the Dunleavy Dunleavy whole thing after this. And I, I'm sick. Batty, of it. Remember when it was Shane Battier? <laughs> When uh yeah, and then he he became good, and then everyone <laughs> knew it was bad. Yeah, yeah, it probably was badier. And then he went to Duke, and he was like, "I'm gonna be pretentious as shit." Yeah, bad. A little French yeah. accent yeah. on my. Yeah, can you please put the accent <laughs> on it? Bato Batois. Yes, and could you also take your fingers, Coach K, and, and, and scrape them into my skull so that it looks, you know, scary. Him and, him and Greg Oden are the only two guys with the uh, wrinkled head that I've ever. I, we used to we used to make fun of Greg all the time for having bad head. Is what we call him. We call him. <laughs> We do the thing where you're like, gone somewhere with your Battier head. I must have said that 400 times That's, in my youth. <laughs> I remember the Duke fans, I didn't have said this before, they used to do the chant, who's your daddy, Battier? And I always thought it was like them trying to like talk junk to him live. And I was like, yeah. man, this is the first time I kind of like Shane Battier. Like these fans are yeah. terrible, but it was supposed to be like, who's your daddy? And then their answer is Battier, yeah. you know? But it just never came across like that. And, and then like, he had the wrinkled head. It was just a lot going on. <laughs> Poor Shane Battier. I don't want to make this about him because it's not his year. No, uh, he won. He got out. He won National Player of the Year, won a national title, graduated from Duke, and, and left left Jason Williams to choke against IU. I haven't answered your question. What, Jared Jeffries is my goat. He is the no, best. No, you answered pl- it. He's the only guy he, you know. He's yeah. the best player on the floor by <laughs> yeah. far. I mean, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's all that it is. That's pretty that's simply. pretty much it, yeah. And if if Duke wins, Dunleavy is the goat. Or Boozer. Who, how did you see that one? Dunleavy. Yeah, I think so, too. By a mile. But but they didn't win. Dun, Dunleavy was... Yeah, when was Dunleavy hit the three to make it 70-64, to 64, when they could have theoretically won the race 6-9, unfortunately, they did not get off 70 before Indiana, mm. who got off 70 mm. and made it 72-70. I love that the rules of the race of 69 changed. No, no, no. They, <laughs> they stay the same. They stay the same. Uh, Mike Dunleavy hit that three, and the shot clock when he hit it, I swear to God, Mark Titus, it's on 34 because it's like after like three. It was like miss, rebound, miss, rebound, kick out to Dunleavy. 35 34 he takes the three and he splashes it right on 34 and he turns around and he looks like right at his dad oh yeah and it's like i, told I wear you. number dad i wear 34 <laughs> yeah, there's like, 34 left like, oh my yeah. god it's like dad i told you i was is, gonna do this is dunleavy uh uh foul trouble with dunleavy cost duke the game one thing i love about dunleavy is that he was a white guy at duke that was great unbelievably great he's drafted number three and mm-hmm. the o2 draft behind jay will number two um he, he a great white duke player that for at least me, you you might disagree. I did not hate him, and I did not he's hate always him. he's one guy. I, mean, I hate him, him, but I did not hate the way he played. The the what's great about him is that now you get guys that come along like a great your Grayson Allen's, your Alex O'Connell's, uh, guys like that. But they don't you, play like Mike Dunleavy. But but people hate them, Tate. And mm-hmm. what happens is there's this other segment that doesn't watch college basketball or like the Duke apologist, whatever, where they're like, <laughs> the only reason you hate these guys is because mm-hmm. they're white and they play at Duke. Mm-hmm. And then I say, sir. Meet Dante Jones. (laughs) Sir. Meet Chris Duhon. I want to point to Mike Dunleavy, who was a white man that played at Duke, who Mm -hmm. was very, very good, and I did not hate that man. So you're wrong. 
There's one exception. <laughs> and also Josh McRoberts. Loved him. Yeah, I was going to say, Josh McRoberts is my one exception. That was probably like my own the record. I liked him when he was there because I knew that he hated setting yeah. screens for J.J. Reddick as much as I he hated was, watching him. He was so, so, Josh was so, so hateable, but like you could tell that he hated Duke as much as the people that hated Duke. Yeah, he, so he like, there was so yeah. much self-hatred yeah, in he, the moment. Self-hatred, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you kind of liked him. You're like, like yeah. you can't hate me. I already hate myself. Yeah, he was yeah, like, he like, beat oh, you the punchline. It was yeah. like the old B-Rabbit moves. Like, I'll say what you're going to say first. Oh, yeah. Dunleavy would have been the go if uh, if if Duke won, but they did not. Um, so your pick is Jeffries, probably the the neutral pick. Probably makes a lot of sense. That's Jeffries, for America. He had twenty That's for the fans. He had twenty four and fifteen. Mm-hmm. The the one thing that that uh, IU did dominate in in this game because you look at the stats, it's like mind blowing that they they were outplayed in like every facet. Nine offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounding yes. for Indiana. Rebounding in general, I think it was like forty six to twenty nine. Mm-hmm. I think in Indiana's favor. I'm just rebounding. saying Jeffries had nine offensive rebounds yeah, yeah. himself. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. The, the Indiana reba- Indiana down low, their points in the paint as well. They destroyed Duke, and Boozer did his thing, but like Indiana had the advantage down low, and a big reason why is Jared Jeffries. So, good pick, but the wrong pick, Tate. And also a very Indiana thing pick. to do. When he figured out that Carlos Boozer had four fouls, guess mm-hmm. what he did? He took it to the he basket flopped. every single oh. time. <laughs> no, well, Boozer did, of yeah. course, but Boozer I'm just saying flopped. Boozer yeah. had to do the soft hands, and then, yeah. you know, it was just easy layup. Um, great pick, Jared Jeffries, but the wrong pick because the only correct pick – is A.J. Moye, oh, is okay. a cult hero, is a man who uh, got them going. The 17-2 run, was the, th- this became the A.J. Moye game from that moment on when A.J. Moye blocked Carlos Boozer's shot. Uh, he became a legend in Bloomington, will remain a legend for the rest of his life. Um, he hits the two free throws. So first of all, in part of that run, with 940 left, he hits the two free throws to cut the Duke lead to 59-51. And it was the first time... Single digits. It's been single digits since like... Five minutes into the game. Crowd's going crazy. Yeah, and the crowd is on their feet. And Moye, during that entire run, anytime Moye did anything, he's just losing his mind. Mm-hmm. And and I really feel like uh, it wasn't necessarily the plays that he made. It was that energy that got the crowd into it. Because as we said at the, at the top, um, as someone who was at the game, <laughs> it was predominantly Indiana fans. They were playing this not too far from Bloomington. A twenty-minute drive from Bloomington. Yeah, it's about twenty-five. Minutes. Yeah, 20, 20, yeah, 25, yeah, depending yeah, on traffic. Like yeah. uh, no, it's 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 not a far drive at all for, from Bloomington, Indiana. Certainly, most of the fans. It's it, not a lot of Duke fans there compared to IU fans, but they didn't have anything to cheer for because they're getting, the Duke fans that already booked destroyed. their Final Four tickets. Right. Yeah. So they're waiting. So Indiana is getting destroyed, and uh, there's nothing to really cheer for. And all of a sudden, AJ Moye hits two free throws, starts doing the the raising of the arms, starts flexing, start get, getting all that going. The crowd is going absolutely insane. He's got hustle plays. He's diving all over the floor. The 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 subtext to all of this is AJ Moye is wearing a, a massive T-shirt because he's covering up the massive wrap he has on his shoulder because he's, he's a sophomore at this point. He's played his entire Indiana career with a bum shoulder. Mm-hmm. He heard it in high school. Back then, I guess surgery didn't exist yet. No, there is no surgery. He got, he got surgery in the offseason after 02, actually, mm-hmm. but uh, – um, he he had to prove him his worth. To <laughs> I was like, only legends get surgery. So he's like, all right, I'll I'll show out against Duke then. Um, so he's got the bump shoulder. Everyone knows this. He's six three. He's like a six three power forward. Is he Zion Williamson? Is he the, is he the first Zion Williamson? Is it AJ Moy? Um, he's just playing his balls off. Brings them back into it. Uh, has the backdoor layup. Hits a spin move. Uh, uh, has the spin move layup. He hits as well. Um, and then, and then the other thing beyond just like the hustle play, cause I don't want to just exalt the guy because it's like, yeah, you just tried really hard. He hit the two clutch free throws, the things that Jay Williams could not hit. He mm-hmm. hits the two clutch free throws to push the, as we remember, Chris Duhon strips Moye a half court, horrible call on the foul, but the call was made and can't do anything about it now. Uh, Moye goes to the line, ton of pressure. They're only up to 
you hit both to quote unquote put the game away until mm-hmm. Dane Five fouls J Will, but uh, steps up, hits them both, pushes the lead to four with 11 seconds to play. AJ Moore, this game, uh, I use not winning without Jared Jeffrey, sure, but. They're definitely not winning if AJ Moy doesn't come in and, and provide the spark. And I'll give you the perfect example of why the spark from AJ Moy worked. And here's the moment. So they, they have the 59 51. He makes a layup. He's going crazy. And I wrote this whole thing down because Dunleavy gets his fourth foul at 9.05, like right after that moment happened. So then Dunleavy comes out of the game. Now with 9.05 to go in this second half, Dunleavy barking at the referee as he's going to head to the bench. And Mike Krzyzewski will be able to keep Dunleavy out as long as his team can maintain a 6, 8, 10-point lead. But anytime it gets under that, Mike Dunleavy will have to And the in. moment keeps going. Donald Perry at this point is in the game, and he's just turning the ball over. He's yeah. just throwing it wherever. If, if someone's not open, he's like, that's where I'm going with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dante Jones gets this huge block on Jared Jeffries. Jared Jeffries catches the ball like, you know, going to turn around, do a little turnaround, a little cover down. You yeah, know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like the class, like, I want to get on that. See, you know what I mean? He turns around. Dante Jones comes up, meets him at the peak, swats his shit. Yeah. And that would be the moment that's kind of like the Shane Battier, Dante Jones, Dirty Duke play of the week. And then <laughs> and then we do that, and it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your confidence is killed. Dante Jones, who's 6'4", just swatted you, and that's it. That's a wrap. The ball comes down. There he is. A.J. Moye grabs it, spins, lays it in, and it's a bucket. And now it's 61 and AJ Moya is going crazy now. Yeah. So instead of the crowd going, "Oh, Dante yeah. Jones just swatted our best player. We really don't have a shot." It's like a big moment for AJ Moya, and it's all. And that would have been the moment I think that could have maybe turned things because Dunleavy's out, and Duke kind of is keeping things together for this little moment. But Moya never lets the momentum stop, and Jared Jeffries never stops going. Here's the difference between Jeffries and Moya in this game. Jeffries was by far the best player on the floor. There's no Moya cared the no, most, but <laughs> Moya was the the guy who believed every second he was out there that IU could win. I, I don't think anyone out there, especially like once they got down, I, I think they were still playing hard. I'm not saying like, it's not like Tom Coverdale and Jared Jeffries gave up or anything like that. Um, but, you know, they're human beings. You're, you're getting destroyed by the number one team in the country, throwing the ball over the gym. Mm-hmm. A.J. Moye, every second he was out there, he, he's making layups to cut the lead to 10 or something, and he's losing his mind. Like, like the block against Boozer, they were still down. Indiana's still down by one with five minutes to play. But AJ Moye reacted as though we just won the national championship, and and that to me is what pushes him over the edge, and that's why he's a legend. That's why the AJ Moye chance will live on forever. You can go to a bar in Bloomington right now, right this second. Yeah, you could go to any bar in Bloomington and just go AJ Moye, and the whole bar will start clapping with you. AJ Moye, <laughs> he's a fucking legend, and he always will be. Uh, and it started with this game, but it continued throughout his entire career. So I will say that. when he made the block. The call from Dick Emberg is so classic. He goes, they're going crazy in Rupp Arena. Yeah, yeah. And they show the crowd, and it's all these Indiana fans with the candy stripes. Those, just going crazy. Those like rednecks this, losing their mind. What's well, this weird just like dichotomy of the moment, just being in Rupp Arena, seeing see Indiana, Indiana fans, fans going yeah, insane yeah. and also be yeah. the home team. You know I mean? That was the weirdest part Can of it. Can I say, too, it. about A.J. Moye? Um, one thing I love about him, too, is uh, kind of like what I said with Dunleavy, where you can point to him and be like, no, I don't hate all the white guys that do, because look mm-hmm. at, at Dunleavy. Um I'm a guy who loves Indiana basketball, and and I don't necessarily mean Indiana University basketball. I love the brand of basketball that the state the plays. state represents, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Indiana University is the flagship institution, so they become like the face of that brand of basketball to me. But ultimately, I just love that brand of basketball. And anytime you want to describe to people what that brand of basketball is, eventually, almost like pretty quickly, not even eventually, like very very quickly. 
other people pick up on like racial undertones. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, so you're saying you like white guys. Mm-hmm. You're saying you like white guys. And what's awesome about AJ Moye is I can point to him and I can be like, no, 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 no. It's not about the race. white guys. It's not about race at all. Mm-hmm. AJ Moye is heart. 100% an Indiana basketball player. He's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's a black dude from Atlanta, but that dude is Indiana basketball and mm-hmm. always will be. Um, and yeah, and that's why I love him too. Guys, like, it's like him and Oladipo is the same way. He's from, he's a black dude from Maryland, but that's a that's an Indiana basketball player. So it's not always, I don't know. I feel like every time I talk about it, I'm hitting these these stereotypes where it's like, yes, you're describing a Jimmy Chitwood white yeah, guy. From as soon as you're saying like pump fakes and back, it's cuts like yeah, and, yeah. yeah you know. It's like no, 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 no. I, it's guys that bust their balls. It's guys that like the the front of the jersey, like all the again, like all that stereotypical shit. Like the front of the jersey matters more than anything else, and 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 that's why this that game is so interesting because that DNA was the reason that Duke became Duke. It was taking mm-hmm. the Indiana, that sort of mentality, and then packaging it into a private school that then could recruit athletes that North Carolina could recruit and convincing those guys to believe in that model and to play that way. Like Duke matters than Ewing, your last yeah, name. Yeah, right. And right. if you watch this basketball game, Daniel Ewing has decided that he is going to be a star in this basketball game because the guy that he is coming in to take his spot, Jason Williams, is not being a star in this game. And it's funny because on the final play, the guy that dribbles down while Coach K is yelling, I will effing murder you if you don't let me call this timeout, he pulls up from three. And that man Mm. is Daniel Ewing. Mm. And that is a Daniel Ewing shot. That's not a Duke shot. And I think like that's what you talk about the apex of Duke basketball. I think they had gotten too close to the sun at yeah. this point. Like, they, 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 had, they, they had lost a little bit of like what it meant. And like Indiana came in and was that version, yeah. truly, to the max. And then they beat them at their own game. The DNA was yeah. beaten by the original DNA that they copied, yeah. which is Coach K's moniker. It's like, let me take someone great and then copy it. <laughs> it's Bob Knight. It's Dean Smith. It's all it's these guys. Coach Cal now. Yeah, it's Coach Cal, Cal now. So it's like, like who? Yeah. yeah, it's called being a biter. <laughs> and uh, this is this is exactly what it is. He's got those rat teeth. Yeah, He's no, it's biting. perfect. Yeah, keep uh, chewing. <laughs> uh, some other some other honorable mentions. Jared Odo, we've already said, is the unsung hero. Uh, not the goat, but definitely the unsung mm-hmm. hero. If, the, if we had a category for that, it would definitely be Jared Odo. Um, also, want to give a shout out to Tom Coverdale, who had one of the greatest bad games of all time. Where mm-hmm. it was like, you look at his stats; he he did not play well. There's nothing about this. Tom Coverdale is not looking back on this game individually and saying that was a great game for me. But if you actually watch the game, like the energy he provides, the the fact that when he goes out. The ball gets thrown all over the gym. He comes back in, and it's like a calming presence a little bit for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think he was only like one for three in the game. Like he didn't really shoot much. He had the bad ankle, and uh, he missed. The but free he hits throw. the two. Yeah, he misses with, the free with throw. The front end of the free throw, and then he has this weird moment where he like turns around and is basically like existentially like, "Why is this happening to me?" Yeah, and then he gets the and one. But the two plays, yes. yeah, the yeah. and the 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 and one he set up for Jeffries, the coast to coast, and then the uh, the post up to take the lead for the first Indiana's first lead of the game was from Coverdale. And it's so, funny, like yeah, the coast to coast that he gets that and one, which you were like, that's the second most important play in Indi- like in this game to you. You were like, is the Moye block in this Coverdale assist where he's falling down and Jeffries yeah. gets the and one? When he does that, it all starts because Chris Duhon, who started the game picking up full court. Who, to intimidate them, really. Yes. And, and kind of you know set the tone early on. He's trying to pick up again. Yes. And then Coverdale has been on the bench watching this, so he just sprints. He's got he fresh takes, legs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, but he just takes off. Like he doesn't yeah. hesitate. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's been watching the game. Yeah. It's Indiana basketball. He's like, okay, I know he's going to press up on me. I'm going to shoot by him. That is a great point, yeah. yeah Duhon was, was pressuring the entire game. Yeah, yeah. so he and knew what he was going to do. Coverdale's he's like, he's like, going like, to press up on me. So he sprinted. As soon as he got the ball, he sprinted. He's like, I'm going, yeah. I'm going to love this. And then makes the hustle play falling out of bounds. And Coach K is like, we do not press in this moment. We are up. What are you doing? And today, Chevrolet has contributed approximately $8 million to the scholarship funds of America's 
colleges and universities. Well, Indiana did not start this game in any way, shape, or form that they had to. And when you're playing against a team like Duke, you can't give them any kind of edge. Now, Jared Jeffries, he can go outside and do that, but I don't think Duke will care. They know the only place he can really hurt them is if he goes inside, scores, and gets people um, in foul trouble. All right, so that, that moves us on to the, the lowercase goat. Mm. And I think there can only be one man. I think it's pretty obvious who this has to be. I, we're in agreement, right? It's Jay Williams. Jason Williams. Jason Williams, yes. Jay. Jay the Jay, artist formerly yeah. known as Jason Williams. Yes. It is It is Jay Williams. It is the who, the, coming into this game, he's the best player on the floor. Um, one, of the, one of the best point guards, as I keep saying, of college basketball history, honestly. And that's not even hyperbole. You go back and look at what Jay Williams did, how just – I don't know. I, I I don't need to explain it. Everyone listening knows how good this guy was. Um, completely taken out of this game by Tommy Toughnuts and the boys. Completely taken out. Useless, almost. <laughs> For the first half, at Jay least. Will, come on the pod. No, 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 no. I mean, like, and I don't think that's his fault in the sense that, like, the entire game plan was we got to make sure that Jay Williams we're we're he, like we're coming up hard whenever we're setting screens like Jared Jeffries only cares about Jason Williams and he's like yeah. I'm gonna let Chris Duhon Daniel Ewing and Dante Jones try to beat me on the perimeter and guess who beat him Mike Dunleavy mm-hmm. or Mike Dunleavy whoever you want to say <laughs> one or the other someone was beating them at the three point line and it was either a Dunleavy or a Dunleavy yeah. we don't know Jason Williams is the goat in this game and not the good goat but I think. There's a caveat to this, which is as we rewatch this game, we both saw something. I mean, and you probably have seen this more than I have, but obviously when he takes that three and gets fouled, that is not only the presence of mind, as they like to say in the sports world, to see Daniel Ewing take a stupid shot when you know that your coach, who you know well, is trying to get a play called or a timeout. We don't know which mm-hmm. one. Something's going on over there. He takes a horrible shot. But to be able to get that rebound, know exactly that the adrenaline's going to make him shoot it long, to know what's going to go off the back iron, to grab that rebound, to then turn around, to then get to the three-point yes. line, like Reggie Miller's status, like, you know, when he Against did many winning time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get back and then to take that three, that says to me, okay, Jason Jason Williams is not a GOAT, quote-unquote. It's not like he's like, they're dead, not doing that. That's an amazing moment in play. But when he gets to the free-throw line, his whole mentality goes back to he's thinking again. Like, yeah. he, like that was yes. such a moment of, like, he just reacted and did everything in a moment because he's a superstar. But when he got to the free-throw line, it was just the same thing that Dickie V was talking about that he had gotten over. He had not gotten over for did, whatever did reason. Did Duke have a timeout left? I, think I can't they remember. Did. I can't remember if he was, if Coach K is trying to call a play or if he's trying to call. It. He's there trying was, to do something. There were so many timeouts at the end. Uh, well, Indiana the, had three. Yeah, and Indi- Duke had I think one. Indiana called three in a row. Yeah, with the inbounds they on the inbounds, end. and then yeah. they almost go backcourt. Fife has to save it. Moye catches it. Yes. Duhon rips him. Um, but they call the foul. But I don't remember. Did Duke call one of those? I don't remember because I was going to say that that feels like a situation, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. But uh, you could tell Jay Will was a little rattled stepping the free throw line. If I'm Coach K, I call timeout there, and I do the thing where I say, when Jay Will hits this, here's what we do. Yes. That's a, that's a little coaching tip. All you yes. young coaches out there, yeah. pick that one up. Well, you know you who call timeout also, and you say, when he hits this, I love when coaches do that. Well, you know who <laughs> he would have stolen that from? That would have been <laughs> yeah, Dean right. Smith in 1982 when he's like, when Mike when hits Mike this hits shot, shot, we will get back, back on defense. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. that is exactly what Coach K probably wanted to do. So maybe he didn't have a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is he's yelling at Daniel Ewing to do something, and Daniel Ewing decided, I'm going to shoot a three, yeah. which is not what he wanted him to do because yeah. Coach K immediately is like are you freaking yeah. kidding me and obviously uh when jay williams goes to the free throw line he misses that free throw the rebound is right there for Carlos boozer to get the rebound put it back up and win this on game. the free throw 
No, on the miss. On the miss free throw, you yes, mean? Yeah, at yes. the very end. Yeah. Yes. When Jeffries did so block out. I yeah. would change my goat from Jason Williams, who made the three and got us into position to win this game, to Carlos Boozer. To, who, oh, Boozer. Boozer, okay. yes, he got the rebound. Yes, he had, quote-unquote, a better game. But he also let Jared Jeffries kill him after he got the, in foul trouble. And he also got this rebound. And he let Jared Jeffries barely slap and at his let, hand and let him not finish. And he let 6'3", A.J. Moye block his shot. Exactly. For, so for, my for goal, the game, right? I will that change. For the game. <laughs> Carlos Boozer is officially the That's not a bad me. pick. I think Jay Will is the obvious pick because uh, he missed the free throw. He missed the free but throw. But guess who got the rebound and missed the layup? Carlos, Carlos Boozer. Boozer. Yeah. Next steps. What is, so Jeffrey, Jeffries was one layup away from being the goat, the other goat. Yes, he could have been both. That's goats. how fickle this is. No, no, no. He could yeah. have easily he could been have both been both goats. goats. Like yeah. if, if we, if Duke wins this game, seventy-five, seventy-four, or whatever the score was at the end, and they win by one on that layup, then we could legitimately have the argument that Jared Jeffries <laughs> was the goat, the lowercase goat. Yeah, and as well as the uppercase goat but, because like he balled out because he balled game. out, yeah. but he also <laughs> let this man get this rebound so easily. And the only thing that saved Carlos Boozer from making, which is why he is the goat capital, is because Jared Jeffries just kind of like slaps his arms down. Yeah, and then Carlos Boozer kind of like expects, I guess, contact, so he shoots a little bit harder, but he doesn't really. What get if the contact. refs would have called a foul there? Oh, they thought about it, and guess who? And then Carlos Boozer goes aligned with his chicken wing. Guess, <laughs> guess who thought he called a foul? Coach K. Yeah. he wasn't convinced yeah. the game was over. He was getting yeah. everyone back. He was like, "Sit down." Um, yeah. So there, your your, your pick for lowercase go is, is Boozer. Carlos Boozer. I'm Jay Will. I'm yes. Jason Williams. Uppercase, you're Jeffries. Jeffries. I'm AJ Moye. Yes. Um, one one uh, uh, honorable mention on uppercase that I forgot to to bring up is Mike Davis himself because. Uh, not even for the coaching decisions he necessarily made. At one point, he had Jared Odell, Jeff Newton, and um, um, Jared Jeffries all in the game mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> three, basically, like three centers in yes. the game at the same time. Yes. Um, interesting. It was a different game back then, or no two. It was, I think it was, it was anyone game. that didn't have fouls. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but for for two reasons. One, the collapse onto – basically just the histrionics on the yeah. bench. The collapse onto the bench when Dane Fife fouls Jay Will, and he just – Falls into a, a puddle onto the, the the bench, which was the precursor to that. Was if you go back and watch the year before, I was talking about when when Haston hits the three to beat Michigan State. It cuts to Mike Davis on the bench, and he's doing the same shit where he's just like falling into the the bench, like, just having an orgasm. Like I don't know what's happening. I can't believe we just won. Um, I will say, and we talked about Halle Berry winning the Oscar. Like Mike Davis should have won an award for this acting yeah. performance because he wins the refs over in this game. They go from like abiding by the coach K law of order, right, which is right. basically like, I call all these fouls. Everything is a charge. If Duke takes it because Dante Jones, fifth foul is a charge in Duke territory. Yeah. You know what yes, I mean? But yes. not tonight because not, Mike yeah. Davis has been falling. over. Yeah. Mike, Mike Davis <laughs> working the refs. Yeah. When, when five fouled Jay Williams, you could hear Nancy Kerrigan's voice coming out of Mike Davis. Why? 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 He's got that face. And then uh, Boozer misses the layup. Jeff Newton grabs the rebound. The buzzer sounds. Cut to Mike Davis just pointing to the crowd. Double points. Two points. Just, just, he's just run. He's Jim Valvano. Yeah, he really does. Like they won the title. He's, he's Shaq pointing up after he catches the lob against the Blazers. He's just like we did it. Mike Davis is running around. Some say uh, this is this is what I heard. Uh, people in Indiana told me this. I I, I haven't fact checked. I didn't have time. Uh, some people told me that Mike Davis is still running around Rupp Arena to this day, pointing to the crowd. I like to think the yeah. ghost of Mike Davis, <laughs> the happy Mike Davis, is still there. I did think he was more of a mess during the game. Uh, like in my memory, I remember him just. I re- I think I guess the the in the chair moment sticks more in your mind. So I thought that he was kind of crying the whole game. Yeah. But there are all these moments. Like at the one thirty eight mark, I wrote down. They cut to Mike Davis and he's like talking to everyone on the bench. 
bench and he's like laughing. Yeah. And you're kind of like, he might be the greatest actor because yeah, he's like yeah, selling yeah. everything right. as if like he's dying when Dude, this happens. It, the year after this, they would play Kentucky and Freedom Hall in Louisville. And yeah. uh, it would be, I think it was Bracey Wright that drove to the basket, gets hit in the forehead. And <laughs> and Mike Davis runs onto the court. And yeah, he's, and he's, you yeah, remember this? Yes, yes, yeah, The yeah, clip of him great. just slapping himself. <laughs> as the well, ball is I, live, he's slapping himself in the face. I yeah. think he learned that that's how you get calls. You know yeah, what I mean? But then he yeah. went too far. And Teddy Valentine's yeah. like, this is my job. Yeah, like, yeah. This is what I do. Um, so there we go. There's, there's the goats and the goats. You want to do a moment the game is over? I, yeah. love, I love this segment. Yes. Um, the win for you was the singular moment when you're like, holy shit, I was going to win this. When they called the timeout with 32 seconds to play. Mm, which one? The, the, yeah, yeah. No, the <laughs> third one. The third one. <laughs> okay. That was the third one. I was like, okay, they're smart enough to call timeouts. I did feel, for whatever reason, that they were going to win the game once we got under the one-minute mark. When they actually – when Coverdale hit that turnaround, the, the post up, the, that was like the first moment I was like, oh, wow, Indiana might Hakeem win this game. Coverdale but you on could, the low block. <laughs> yeah, but you could, yeah, it was like the perfect dream shake. I don't know what this – the dream uh, – Tommy Elijah yeah, yeah, gave it to him. Yeah, yeah. The little, Keep the slow turn, dark. the slow spin. Uh, yeah, I think that was the moment. I guess Coverdale doing that, and then them actually calling the timeouts when they would have gotten the five seconds, because that's a very Duke thing for them to get the five second call and the yeah. turnover. They were smart enough to be like timeout. If you would have, but asked that's Indiana me, If you would have asked me before I watched the game, I would have said the Moye block because again, in my mind, not I, I actually knew, I knew like before we watched it today that the Moye block wasn't um, at the end of the actual end of the game, mm-hmm. but I still thought it was like to cap off like a run where Indiana took like a five point lead and now yeah. they're in total control. And it's like, Oh shit, IU's going to win. Um, but IU was down. IU was still down one. So I can't, I can't in good faith say like, I knew IU was going to win when you're still losing and there's five minutes to play. That's what I was going to say. So this it's is not one bad. of those games where I don't even know if there is an answer to this question. In Mine sense, would be, yeah. I guess like when Newton got the rebound off Boozer's miss, that's pretty much. Win yeah. The game. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Okay. That's I, probably the right that's answer. Ultimately what I'm yes. settling on. That's Mike Davis's answer. Cause it would have been the, the only other thing would be Moye hitting the, the free throw to go up four with 11 seconds. Cause that's traditionally when you're up four with 11 seconds, you're in a great spot. Um, but then, you know, but for whatever reason, it never. I mean, even when Jay Williams hit that three, I don't know. I never felt. I don't. know. It's very hard to explain. I, I didn't. Well, I thought just, IU won the game. My my official pick. Lock me in for when the buzzer sounded. It was literally yeah. when the buzzer sounded. Yes. I didn't think. I thought Duke was winning, and Coach Case thought Duke was winning. You, you, they cut the coat. They cut to Mike Davis pointing to the crowd after the buzzer sounded. Coach K is getting people to sit down. Coach K is telling his team sit down. They're going to fix this. Yes. Then the refs start walking off the floor and, and Coach K is yelling at him. He's like, "Get out. your ass back out here. Mm-hmm. Fix fix the fix the yes. result." Yeah, go, fix, go. Can you go <laughs> look at the monitor? Go can, put more can, time can, on can you look at the monitor? Yeah. Carl's Boozer has two free throws <laughs> coming up to win this game. Jason Williams with 15 points will have a chance to tie it with 4.2 seconds to go. We gotta get the rebound if he misses this. If he misses this and Duke's able to get the rebound, they can win this ball game. Four seconds left. Williams at the free throw line. Not a good free throw shoot. Shot is up. Missed it! Oh no! Boozer! He missed! Tip up now! You got the rebound! They got us! And we had a got us! They shot the ball! And they are worried at the mid-court line. These two ball clubs going crazy. The Hoosiers have reached two, 74 to 73. Well, let's go to uh, let's go to the what ifs then, because um, that that becomes the the compelling what if is is what if Boozer makes the shot. What, what what to you is the most compelling what if? If you could if you could pick one what if to to come away from this game with, I think. The number one what if that I have for this game is what if Jay Williams hit that three and they didn't call the foul? 
Ooh. That's a great what if. So if let's say Fife is all over him and he hits yeah. that three and it's 74-73 and it's however many seconds left on the clock and then Indiana has to again inbound the basketball mm-hmm. and they don't have those timeouts. No timeouts. I, I think they yeah. turn the ball over. Duke and Dunleavy had three to win that game. And I almost – it may have been better if he didn't get that foul call. Yeah. If – but that, those refs knew that they were going to call that foul. Yeah. As soon as Jay Williams jumped up in the air to take the three, they were calling that foul. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But I'm just saying, <laughs> had he made that three, they didn't call it. You get the the endearing, oh, my God, Duke did not get that yeah, call. Duke That's didn't crazy. Get the call. Yeah, yeah. But then Indiana's sitting there, and they have to inbound the ball. They're like, we have to no inbound timeouts. the basketball. No timeouts. 23 turnovers yeah. already. Yeah. That's the 24th turnover. That's a Mike Dunleavy steal. Because Mike Dunleavy loves those little inbound little moments. So he'd probably steal that. Lay it in, game over. The three big ones on the end uh, have to. The, the one has to do with the J. Will three. You, mm. you, I like your wrinkle on that. What if they didn't? What call if he didn't call it at all? Yes. The obvious one is what if he hits the free throw? If he hits the free throw, Duke wins in overtime. Of I have no doubt in my mind about that. I think they win by seventeen in overtime. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Part part of what made Indiana win was like they they snuck up on Duke and stole it at the last second. Yeah, yeah, it was incrementally take it to the last second. But you go to overtime. And Duke gets five minutes to say like, oh, it's zero to zero, zero zero. Mm-hmm. Let's kick their ass now. It's it's a wrap. it's the start of the game. Yeah. It's twenty to yeah. seven. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I think I think there's no doubt that that Jay will if he hits the free throw, Duke wins. Um, <laughs> Boozer hitting the putback on the end. Obviously, that's another huge what if because Jeffries. Do you think Jeffries' legacy at IU is is tainted? Because Jeffries balled out, like we said, he was the goat in this game. But if Boozer gets the rebound, if, if if Jared Jeffries does a Jordan Bell against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017. Yeah, and he just gets boxed out. Boozer gets the rebound, lays it in, wins yeah. the game, celebrates. Yes, Jared Jeffries is hated. Do you think he's hated in Indiana? Not only is he hated uh, because of that moment, he would be hated so much more after how the Mike Davis thing ended, knowing how he got Mike Davis back. You so were the like, reason Mike yeah, Davis you stuck You brought around. Mike yeah. Davis back, then you let Boozer get the rebound. Yeah, he would be absolutely, wow. This was back in the day, though, um, in Jeffries' defense. This had the, the the lack of the blockout happened when you were still had to uh, you're one you're, block you're one you're uh, you, the the lowest guy was underneath the block mm-hmm. on the free throw line on the when you're yeah you know too, he was too deep you know what, you know what I'm he, he was too deep, yes. yeah he was too deep so Boozer just rooted him even deeper but the funniest but the same thing time, about like, it is that he didn't really react as if like he witnessed what was going on like he didn't he really was, seem like he was sure that Carlos Boozer had to lay up two feet away to win he felt the like there was supposed to be two shots or something exactly yeah, yeah like, he seemed oh, like resigned to let him get the rebound yeah. he's like what huh? and then he kind of just like half like heartedly reached over and that's what Boozer tried to like he thought he was going to get actual contact, but then he really didn't because Jeffries was so lackadaisical yeah. about it. So my what if is like, what if Jeffries fouled, fouled him? him? yeah. And then Boozer had Kills to go there. The chicken and, wings. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then the ugliest free throws in America are made, and they win the game. Um, yeah, that that one's an obvious one. What if Boozer hits the hits the putback? Um, or, or yeah, is Jeffries hated? Like all that, all that's fun to think about. Uh, the other one at the end of the game is the what if. Duhan is not called for the foul on Moye. IU mm-hmm. was up by two. Mm-hmm. Moye gets fouled with 11 seconds left. Duhan strips him very clearly. Even if you're the biggest Duke hater, I'm. I'm you're a Duke hater. I'm an IU homer, mm-hmm. and I think we can both agree that was a horrible call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Chris Duhan. Not only it was an amazing not to get a backcourt in the first place. It was mm-hmm. a terrible inbounds play. To to call a timeout three timeouts in a row that should have showed <laughs> Mike Davis maybe wasn't ready for the moment. You know what I mean? For that yeah. to be what they came back yeah. with. And look, I'm someone who knows the inbounds plays aren't the easiest. Roy Williams will tell you that. But like, I've never seen something so terribly done and then work out somehow. And if you're yeah. Chris Duhon, you have to really hate yourself uh, just seeing how that all played out, knowing that Coverdale had just beaten you at your own game. There is early. no doubt in my mind that that sparks a fast break where the ball gets sprayed around and yes. then Mike Dunleavy's wide open for three with like eight 34 seconds. Thirty four seconds. Left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Dunleavy hits a three with like eight seconds left or something. Yeah. Or four, you know, like Dunleavy hits the game winning yeah, three. Of course. And, easily. And then he and then he points to his dad yeah. in the crowd with two fingers. Or Jay Williams like hits yeah. a three and it's 73-72 yeah, and it's right. game over. And, game and everyone's over. like, yeah. oh wow, Jason Williams, what a legend. And so basically yeah. all these what ifs boil down to Duke would have won. Yeah. Um I would the, you say ninety nine out of a hundred times Duke wins this game? I would say Dude, I would say nice. if you look at the stat, if you if you made an algorithm, if you created some AI bot where you plugged in all these factors and you're like strip everything else away you're like there's yep. one team with six nba players the greatest coach of all time mm-hmm. is on their team they're the defending national champions they were number one for mm-hmm. all but four weeks mm-hmm. number one most efficient offense and defense in the country versus four white kids and a sophomore big man that will play in the nba um and and that's in in, in a second year a first year coach technically they say sound like hoosiers yes yeah, I yeah. Would love to watch that. and you plug in the algorithm and you say the the underdog team will have 23 turnovers go two for 10 from the three-point line what would happen i think it's like 999 times out of a thousand duke mm-hmm. wins this game i think this was the one time and i don't even know how if i'm if i'm how much hyperbole that is because it is the more I watch this game, the more I read about this game, the more confusing it gets, Tate. It never, ever, ever will make sense in my mind. Even as we were watching it, Newton gets the rebound, the buzzer sounds, Mike Davis is pointing, and I'm like, how is Indiana going to win this? How are they going to pull this off? Because they're still down, right? Oh, they're not. They're up one. How did that happen? It's it's very, very confusing. I think everyone was just so confused. I was certainly confused when I was in the arena. I was like losing my mind, but at the same time, like this, came, I, I had the Coach K feeling. I was like, did they just win, or is or so, surely something's gonna get blown? He wasn't out even here. red in the face because yeah. Coach K, when he actually is mad and knows they're gonna lose, he breaks down live in the game. You'll see just the the fury in his face. And in this game, he was so nonchalant because he couldn't believe that it was actually over. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. He was kind of like, "What? That, then, huh? Like, huh? Boozer didn't make that layup. Yeah. Like Jason Williams. Like you can't um, do any better than this." The only other "what if" I had that was not like basically at the very end of the game. What if the possession goes the other way? Type situation was what if Tom Coverdale doesn't pick up two quick fouls and doesn't mm-hmm. sit for most of the first half because I think the game I almost think that like worked in Indiana's favor because they get the big deficit yeah. then they can start chipping away and come back yeah. yeah and they can start chipping away at it it's um, a very sharp move to just let Duke kind of get up and, and and there is that weird you know what it is I mean 12 points feels like a lot when you're up yeah. 12 points but then I mean I don't know I mean obviously you understand math but like it, it, <laughs> yeah. it goes down quickly. I don't know how to how else to explain it, but like that's what happened in that nine minute mark. You yeah, kind of right. just felt like Duke thought they were up by more than they were. So if Coverdale doesn't get two quick fouls and sit for most of the first half, it's probably a different. Like Duke's probably up like yeah. eight to ten the whole first half instead of like blowing it wide open to seventeen. And, and, they and it feels like the game's run. over. They make the seventeen two yeah. run in the second half. And it feels and like the yeah. Up. And then and then AJ Moye, we don't need AJ Moye's run because it's just kind of a. It, it wouldn't be a close game. I don't think it would have just been like a like a, I think Duke would have had a ten point lead like the entire game. Basically. And TC, I'm gonna call him TC now. Coverdale can't make that run. He has probably one good sprint on that ankle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the one sprint that the he had sprint, coast yeah. to coast. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was his it. legs That's would be dead. Yeah. yeah. There we go. That's it. Um, my 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 final what if yeah, that I have, yeah. uh, and this is a what if about Indiana basketball, and this is something that may hurt your heart when you think about this whole timeline of things. But all right, let's say. Carlos Boozer gets that rebound. Jared mm-hmm. Jeffries gives a half-hearted effort. Either he makes a layup or he, they get the foul. And Duke wins this game. Mike Davis goes back. He's basically been an interim coach at this point. Jared Jeffries says, I'm tired. I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm done. The Indiana faithful say Mike Davis is not our guy. Even though we love him, we wish we could have won that Duke game. We are not set. We are, we are hungry. We want to find a new coach to come in and replace Bob Knight. There's this guy at Illinois. 
and I, I like his demeanor. I like his moxie. And he seems like he likes Adidas a lot. You know what I mean? And he, and he kind of just fits the mold of what we'd want to, you know, have at a, a, a program. With, I, he was know. a Nike school back in 02, but I'm, 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 I'm no, tracking. No, no. Go we're, ahead. We're, we're, at this point, they're thinking 10 years ahead. They're like, we're not going to be a Nike school anymore because Kentucky, Carolina, and Duke own Nike. So we're going to be an Adidas school. This is let, Let's just say they got, you know, not Mike White, but Kevin White. You know, let's say they okay, got some, yeah. some, some white guys in the room, right, at, at Indiana. <laughs> and they're thinking about Adidas, and they're thinking about – you know, the future. And they bring in a guy by the name of Bill Self. And they say, hey, Coach Self, we know you're a young guy. We, we, we think we, you got a lot of potential, a lot of opportunities here at IU. We're going to give you the keys. Mm. Bill Self would have won two titles at the very least in Indiana. And that is my greatest what if. If Jared Jeffries had let Carlos Boozer just win this game and Coach K just win his back-to-back titles, Bill Self would be at Indiana. And here we go. Mm. That's my what if. Because Kansas – I mean, they get Bill Self the next year. Coach, you know, Roy Williams goes to Carolina. The dominoes fall into place. The Blue Bloods are set. Mm-hmm. But they could have gotten ahead of that. They could have, yeah. Well, I mean, that brings me to uh, to <laughs> well, that brings me to wrapping all this up and uh, why why this was a historic game for Indiana beyond like the big upset and all that. It, it was like a, a touchstone moment for shifting away from the Bob Knight era, eight years, and into the new era. Mm-hmm. Um, because IU, obviously, they go on, they beat Kent State. Funny enough, they hit, they go 15 for 19 from the three-point line against Kent State in the Elite Eight game. They, went, they were two for 10 against Duke. They couldn't hit shit. And then they, hit, they go 15 for 19 from three. Uh, run Kent State out of the gym. Shut down Hollis Price in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Run into Maryland team that was like, it was, it was God's plan for Maryland, if we're being honest. Like, Maryland, you might remember, you certainly remember, but I'm talking to the audience at large. Uh, the year before, Juan Dixon. Maryland blows a 22-point lead in the Final Four to Duke. Um, then that same year in '02 was the Miracle Minute mm-hmm. in uh, at College Park when Duke comes back. So Maryland had these Duke demons they were trying to exercise. Indiana did it for them. As soon as Duke was out of the tournament, it was Maryland's tournament to lose. Indiana had a great run, but like you know, Maryland was to not to not be denied. Really, it was also one of those things where Juan Dixon, ACC Player of the Year, Jason Williams, National Player of the Year. Yeah, Juan Dixon was probably the best player. At the time, I guess, in the tournament. I don't know. Juan Dixon was on some other different thing. Like, Jason Williams yeah. is kind of struggling. You know, he's obviously got a lot going on. He's, you know, he's going to be a top draft pick. It seemed like there was something else going on in Jason Williams' world. Right. Juan Dixon's world and Steve Blake's world and, you know, Chris Wilcox's world, it was all, we're about to win this title right, because we're right, tired of right, being second fiddle. Right. And it was, like you said, it was team of destiny. They were going to be denied. And it Gary was, Williams, like, he was red-faced the whole time. Um. So, so Indiana loses – in the in the in the national title game, no shame in that. They had a great great run. Uh, obviously, the, the 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 best run of of my fandom as an as an Indiana fan growing up. Uh, Jared Jeffries turns pro. Dane Five, Jared Odell graduate, and then that is kind of the Coverdale comes back for a senior year. Um, um, Hornsby, I think, comes back. Um, but that was kind of like the last gasp of, of Bob Knight because the the following year, a freshman arrives. In Bloomington, Indiana, by the name of Bracy Wright Tate, mm. and Indiana basketball would never be the same. The rest is history. <laughs> Bracy Wright steps in, and you watch Bracy Wright as a freshman, and you're like, "Oh, so there will be no more Bob Knight motion offense. There will be there will be Bracy Wright going one on one, jacking up shots at the end of the shot clock." This and is Allen Iverson yes, isolation. This basketball. is this is isolation yes. basketball. Here we are featuring Bracy Wright, uh, and and that was pretty much it. And that was like the new wave that Mike Davis brought in. Mike Davis goes, he 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 he, he posts the first losing season in 03-04. They go fourteen and fifteen, 
with Bracey Wright as a as Bracey Wright sophomore year. Then he goes 15 and 14 the next year. Then in 06, they're 19 and 12. Uh, they end up going 19 and 12. He resigns midway through the year. He says, "This will be my last year. Like I'm I'm running the program into the ground basically." Um, and yeah, and then IU signs with Adidas, and they've never been the same again. And that's it. That's that's the aftermath of IU basketball. That's why that's why this game to me though like represents that like the the shift that happens because it was like all of Knight's guys, but it was with this new coach who was taking it. And I think honestly, it's kind of a microcosm of what Indiana basketball is now because part of the frustration is that there's the cultural clash of Indiana that still exists to this day, 20 years after Bob Knight was fired, that half the fan base wants the Bob Knight mold. They they want to they want to see teams of AJ Moyes and Tom Coverdale's and guys like that. The other half is like I want to compete with Kentucky and just get all five star guys and roll the ball out and like. Let's be fucking cool. Let's be like the coolest team in college basketball. Um, that will never happen. And they never. So to those people, yeah, I know. Just give up on that. But idea. there, there's the there's that cultural clashing that's going it's on. It's culture versus culture. Yeah, and that Both was versus coach. And that was exactly what was happening with Mike Davis's entire tenure. Was like he he's a Bob Knight assistant. He's yeah. he he had his great success with all the Bob Knight guys. The Indian the the old school mold of Indiana basketball. But then he ushers in the Bracy Wright era. And then the Marco Killingsworth era, mm-hmm. and you're just like, my God, what does Indiana basketball become? <laughs> is this? It's called the Matt yeah. Darty era. Yeah. And then Kelvin Sampson takes over. And can I just say that I think Kelvin Sampson, revisionist history says Kelvin Sampson was right. He was the answer. He was. The answer. I think Mike Davis was the guy. Was the Matt Doherty, even though yes. Guthridge took over for mm-hmm. Guthridge. Let's be honest. Guthridge was Dean Smith. 2.0. He was just like the extension of. Not, I don't don't no, take that the no, wrong no, way. I don't no, mean. I don't mean. I'm, that I'm way. saying. I'm saying Dean Smith definitely gave him the keys to win a title. And yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 he was basically exactly. like, I built this Damn for you. you I, I built this for you, Bill Guthridge. Take it mm-hmm. and run with it. And then mm-hmm. Bill Guthridge took it and ran with it. And then was like, okay, that's enough. I'm out. Yeah, he's just um, chomping ice. So to me, he just is an extension of the Dean era. Mm-hmm. And then Doherty is the first guy after the legend. And the first guy for legend is always just the sacrificial lamb. Yes. Get him out of there. Yes. And then you find the, the only guy, guy that hasn't been that is Aaron Rodgers in any yeah. sort of capacity, yeah. really. Like, he's the only person I can think of that really just came in. I guess Brady and Bledsoe, but, like, I don't even think Bledsoe's Bledsoe good. Legend, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, Mike Davis was the sacrificial lamb for Indiana, even though, it's, you know, the context of that is, like, he wasn't given a fair sh- shot. He obviously was. Like, they kept him around for I, – I, th- I think that's another revisionist thing is, like, some people – could argue that Davis didn't give a fair shake. Like he, you know, IU fans just didn't like him because he wasn't Bob Knight. I mean, the guy had the first losing season in 35 years in Indiana and, and just, you know, he finished 69 and 54 in his final four seasons. But uh, Kelvin Sampson takes over. He was the guy and he gets fired for doing things, Tate, that are now legal. He just made phone calls. He made phone calls that were now legal. It's very frustrating. And Indian basketball is never the same. And then Tom Crean comes in, and then Meanwhile, Dan Dockage takes over, and then Tom Crean comes Billy in. Billy Self, and, just yeah. sitting there, just yeah. waiting. There was a lot of guys out there at the time that Indiana could have gotten. That's all I'm saying. And, and Bill Self's not even right, the right answer. Maybe a Billy Donovan. There could have been do you a Billy that, Gillespie. Do you re, do you a lot re, of Billys out there. Do you realize that Kelvin Sampson went 21-11 and 11 in his first year? They win the first-round <laughs> tourney game. Um, you don't have to tell me about Sampson. You know we love Sampson. And then he's 22-4. and four. In his second season at mm-hmm. IU, when the the allegation, the I guess it's not allegations, the the story breaks that he's making phone calls, and then he gets fired, uh, and and that's it. But uh, he he was forty three and fifteen at IU. Is my point. He had a better winning percentage than Bob Knight at IU. You aware of this? And on I his was team, not he was twenty two and four yes. with DJ White and Eric Gordon and a freshman Jordan Crawford in 08. and then he had to step down and hand the reins to Dan Dockage, who said, "I will drive." 
<laughs> I will drive this vehicle off a cliff. It's like, I'll that take is, care of yeah. this. Yeah. You've done enough, Kelvin. I <laughs> yeah, can take it from here. <laughs> I will say this. I think that the biggest problem with Indiana fans is that they want to live by Bob Knight saying John. Bob Knight said to the world, John Wooden, I do not respect. <laughs> And I think a lot of people would be taken aback by that. But what his whole point was, I don't believe in cheating, and I think that he's a cheater, is what he said. Yeah. And he was talking about Sam Gilbert, but not really John. But like he just so Indiana fans had this complex of like Kelvin Sampson was too good to be true. Like yeah. he came in and he just started winning, and they know that that's not like the formula. It's like we got to build a culture, and then we're going to yes. start winning. Yes. So it was too good to be true. And then when the allegations come, it's like, oh, of course, it's because he's cheating. Yeah, get out of here. That's not how we yeah, do things. Yeah, we don't in do things like that in Indiana. In and terms of like, Samson, wasn't even really doing anything like that. Yeah, it's like actually come back. Like they thought Samson was paying players, exactly. which he probably was. You know, there's no way of knowing. But all that they could prove is that he was calling guys, which you know. It, Look, it's he literally called legal it, now. I'm not even making yes. that up. Like what he did is legal. Is now they've changed the rules to where like now he he's he's basically a guy that's like in prison for marijuana for possessing marijuana. Get the, let let the man live. Bring back bring back Kelvin. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you just paid Bill Self eight million dollars, he would have come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Duke. Um, the aftermath of this game for Duke. Uh, Jay Will goes pro. Dunleavy goes pro. Mm-hmm. They're they're two and three behind Yao in the O two draft. Uh, Dante Jones comes back for his senior year. Boozer goes number thirty five in that draft as well. He's in the second round, which is kind of surprising looking back. Like he should. I thought Boozer higher, went right? like number ten. That's kind of uh, wild. The very next season, uh, whereas Indiana's bringing in a guy by the name of Bracey Wright to run the program into the ground. Duke's bringing, Duke's bringing in JJ, JJ Reddick, Sheldon Williams, mm-hmm. and then the rest is history Lee there. Malkione. Yeah, the rest is history there. Um, so that's it. Any any other thing? Any, anything else we need to touch on before? I will say this game made me so happy when it happened, and it wasn't because of anything to do with Mike Davis, Indiana. But I did enjoy the Mike Davis run around the gym like no other coach I had ever seen in college basketball. I've never seen someone be so euphoric and happy. And I remember thinking that Mike Davis was so young at the mm-hmm. time. Like when I was watching the game, even though I'm a little kid, I'm like – this guy is he so was, He was young. like 40, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. but I, I just... 41. But that just goes like that. to show, like, the thought of college coaches. Yeah. I just assumed that everyone was, like, you know, Dean Smith and, like... Coach these, K was only, like, what, 73 in this game? I think he was yeah. 75. Okay, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. young young man. Uh, that was my final thought. Mike Davis, just pure jubilation answered by pure hatred and, you know, all the other things that came with being the IU coach at the time. But that moment was great for him. I, I, my final thought is this. You can make an argument that uh, the Mike Davis era ends much quickly, much, much quicker um, mm-hmm. if, if this game doesn't happen, if IU loses. If IU gets blown out, Mike Davis mm-hmm. does not get the leash that he gets to stick around for as long as he did. Um, you could make an argument that, that, that I kind of did, that this whole – shifting of culture of of indiana basketball trying to recapture the magic that bob knight had in the mid 90s and then he started to kind of lose it as we touched on at the start of the show um but this whole recapturing thing it 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 all hinged on this moment this was a cultural shift where indiana said we are now that they we proclaim we i say we as an indiana guy we proclaim to the world this is the new era of indiana basketball this is what we're going to be moving forward whatever whatever um and it's not turned out great Mm mm-hmm all told for Indiana. Bring back um, Samson. And having said all of that, was it worth it for this one game to then have all the years of like up and down and I use back, yes. not back, fire this coach, hire the hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. yes. Uh, this is my favorite. We're still talking about it. We're still talking. And I will talk about this the rest of my life. This is 100% my favorite college basketball game ever played. It was not a good game in any way, shape or form, but uh, that's what makes it so memorable for me. Uh, I was at the game. My team won. 
it it makes no goddamn sense when you look at the stats. But I have four syllables for you. AJ Moye. AJ Moye. <laughs> Dane Fives in the bag, like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> Congratulations um, to IU. They did it. That's it. That is that is the TNT Classic, the 20, 2002 IU versus Duke Sweet 16. We are going to try to do more of these as they make sense. Certainly in the offseason, we'll do of more course. of them. Uh, they, they, we, we have this so one was much for us and for y'all yeah. and for IU and for Mike yeah. Davis. And a holiday. For AJ Moyer. Yeah. yeah, for everyone. For the holiday. Mike Davis is, uh, uh, is, is he coaching at Detroit now, right? Yes. Yeah, he's Brad Calipari's coach. <laughs> now that's well, moving up do, in the world. Do you think Mike Davis is showing Tom Coverdale film to Brad Calipari? And that, that explains why Brad is – the most improved player in college basketball. Let me just tell you, Mike Davis is showing Coach Calipari practices and saying, I think I could do this. <laughs> you want me to come down there? I'll be your number two. Um, have a Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday season. Uh, we, we, we cannot thank you guys enough for listening to the podcast, supporting the podcast. Thank you guys. Uh, we, we are doing this independently. We mm-hmm. are just two bozos uh, sitting in a room talking about college basketball. We love it. We love that you love how much we love it. Uh, we, we love everybody, and uh, we hope <laughs> that you love this show. Um, Duke lost Tate. Indiana won. That's it. Go Anything Hoosiers. else before we go? That's it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Go Hoosiers. Thanks. Absolutely incredible. And the two ball clubs now are shaking hands. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tom Coverdale, Dane Fife. <laughs> and they are fighting in front of us, but it is a playful fighting as Indiana has upset the number one team in the country. We're here till Saturday, boys. Well, they are not quite number one right now, <laughs> but Indiana has beaten good. A standing room only crowd here. And Mike Davis is going crazy with Jeff Banner. He just hugs Jeff Reese and comes over for the CBS interview. What an upset. <laughs>